Everyone knows a lot of things can change in the span of 10 years. When it comes to professional wrestling podcasting, one thing is still guaranteed. The Shining Wizards is the only place to get all the latest wrestling news, interviews with the greatest guests, and of course, tons of laughs in discussing the world of wrestling. The show is still available on Monday nights at 7 p.m. East on RantDMRadio.com and Rant Entertainment Media on the TuneIn app. And it's still available on all podcasting platforms. To check us out, head over to ShiningWizards.com, where it's still wrestling talk and talk about wrestling. Are you tired of prediction shows? Do you want to fantasy book the companies? Does Bigfoot even really exist? If you answered yes to any of those questions, then check out the podcast that isn't a podcast. Every Tuesday and Thursday, the standing streamer stands and delivers as he and Vanessa talk about all that's going on in pro wrestling today. Plus, see in-depth conversations with people in and around the wrestling world as guests share their stories and insights about making it in the business. The Putting You Over Podcast. Putting your weeknights over every Tuesday and Thursday. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening and good night. My name is Thomas and what's your name? Uh, I'm Alan. Alan. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. We're brothers. That's right. Yeah. yeah the that. mother, same mother and father. Your room was... Oh, we shared a room. Shared a room. For we right? shared a room. I thought I knew your face. Yeah, we so go maybe. way back, mate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We should do a podcast then. Uh, we have. We do do a podcast. We do a podcast. What's it called? The Broadcast. Yeah, that was planned. Yeah, yeah. Well, what do we do? Well, we cover all different things in the world of pop culture. We're talking about comic books. We're talking professional wrestling, and we're talking about movies. Go back and watch classic retro wrestling events, the likes of WWE, WCW, and if you do like that, you can check us out on Apple iTunes, also on Podbean, Anchor, and on Podknife. Also, check us out on Twitter at the Broadcast. That's B R O. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Ending. Yeah, it's alright, good on you. Yeah. Instagram also at the Broadcast Podcast. Remember, we don't spell it with a C, we spell it with a K. Slow, mate. Take it easy. Two Heels and a Face Wrestling Podcast believes wrestling is a buffet. There's something there for everyone. These guys cover local Chicago indie scene, and all of their episodes can be found at twoheelsandaface.com. The number two, heelsandaface.com. Hey everyone, my name is referee Tony S, and this is Heat, the wrestling podcast. Like you first and foremost, I'm a wrestling fan, and for nearly two decades I've maintained law and order inside the squared circle in New England and throughout the country, working with some of the best and brightest from wrestling's past, present, and future. Now, I bring my authoritative tell-it-like-it-is style to the podcast world. Join me each week as we go through all the major headlines from the global companies, independents, and in-between. And most importantly, the women will receive the coverage and headlines they truly deserve as they'll empower the second half of the show. Plus, I'll introduce you to my friends and colleagues within all forms of wrestling and entertainment, answer your questions, anything goes, no holds, well, questions barred, and throw in some fun surprises along the way. Get ready for the spark that fuels the flame. Listen on Spotify, Anchor, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to another episode of Front Row Material Brand. My name is Mike Friel, and soon to be joined... Hi, my brother from Canada. His name is The Bud. Coming up on tonight's show, we're going to be talking about 
a former AEW star, to go to NXT. We're talking about Triple H, what's going on with the merger with Endeavor and UFC. There seems to be some interesting news on that one. And WWE Hall of Famer, who was recently with AEW, looks like they are officially done with the company. What's going on with Wardlow? He's been gone from TV for quite some time. Did anybody even really notice it? All of that and so much more on this episode of the Front Room Material brand. Let's go ahead and let me bring him in. I'm going to affectionately refer to this as the Can-Am Connection. Christopher Butt, what's going on? This is it, Mike. Let's uh, enjoy another night talking to you. Uh, relaxing. Looking forward to my day off tomorrow. Nice. Life so are- is good. So you 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 are always off on Fridays? No, no. Uh, every third Friday or so I'm off. Nice. Well, yeah. what do you plan on doing on your own? Uh, I'll get up, make breakfast tomorrow. Uh, Linda and I have breakfast before she goes off to work. I gotta go to the lumberyard, pick a couple things up. Uh, gotta go to Home Depot, pick up a couple things. Uh, then I'll go to Lee Valley, and then hopefully come home and try to build a ramp. Ooh, a ramp. That's right, because yeah. the Soapbox Derby thing is going to be coming up, correct? It is. Uh, nice. 26th, Harrowsmith, Ontario. B&B Memorial Car Show and Shine. Uh, it's nice. about two buddies. Unfortunately, they passed away in, in accidents. Uh, they were big car guys. Uh, one of the young fellows' mom puts this off. It's the second memorial. Uh, it's, just, it's just a big car show. Uh, people come from a fair ways away. It's everything from uh, classic cars There'll be a couple Lambos there, uh, supercars, a uh, good friend of mine, a cadeau from Rapture Window Tint. He's the main sponsor of it. Uh, he's just big in the, in, in the car community. There'll be motorcycles there as well. And they just get together, they do some raffles, raise a bunch of money, and put it towards the South uh, South Frontenac Fire Department. Because that's where nice. Harris is. It's uh, 20 minutes north of here. It's not too far, 25 minutes uh, it's a beautiful event, a beautiful location. Uh, what we're doing, we'll, we'll have our table set up. Lynn and I will be there uh, selling some of our toys. But we donated 58 toy cars. Wow. Now they're getting sold off. Uh, we're selling 56 of them at $15 each. Wow. And they're going to be set up in three different age groups. Um, 16, I think it's 16 per group or 18 i don't know i didn't do the math on that there's so many per age group okay and uh, you launch them down the ramp once i get it built and the car that goes the furthest off the end wins a prize that's awesome uh we'll have a decoration table set up uh we're providing everything uh linda's going to help them with that uh that that's on the house all money raised goes towards south front that fire department and the last two toys are getting auctioned off uh, starting bid is 50 bucks and so far the prizes are a day trip to canada's wonderland wow with hotel and gas car included wow. um a drone pretty fancy drone like 800 bucks or something like that as uh, a, a massage or spa day here in kingston and some kind of headset that I don't quite understand. I didn't have anything to do with the prizes. Okay. Uh, all been donated. Everything's worth 500 and up. And for each age group, they get whatever prizes associated with their age group. Like it says, 15 bucks a car. You get to keep the car, obviously, after. Just our way of trying to give back a little bit. That's tremendous, dude. Yeah, it should be a good time. I've never been to it myself. Uh, 
I've spoke to some people, and they all know there are people in the car community, and they all know of it. Apparently, it's a pretty big do. So it's usually a pretty big turnout. It's, no, it's a family event as well. Like it'll be, it's not just you know the old fogies sitting around talking about their cars. It's the kids are there. They have kid friendly events. There's other vendors there. There's a, a food truck there called Barbecue Babes. Wow. Uh, it's, it's all barbecue stuff. It's fantastic. They're not they're actually set up not far from my house usually. I've been there numerous times. And, yeah, it should be a good time. Let's try to give it back a little bit. We're going to be talking more about the event later on in the program tonight as well, just to make sure. If you haven't got the information, we're going to make sure you get the information as well. Uh, we're also going to give you the contact information of the Butster himself. If you are looking to have uh, anything uh, com uh, commissioned to do woodworking, uh, you can always reach out to him. We'll give you his details at the end of the show as well. Um, a lot going on. Uh, we are recording this podcast, obviously, not on the day that we normally do. And, and the reason is... Uh, you probably can't really tell because the, the view really hasn't changed a whole heck of a lot, but everything uh, has been plastered off and plastic is all everywhere. And we've been doing crown molding. We've been doing painting. We've been doing redecorating. So we are completely doing a facelift uh, here and uh, furniture is going to be coming probably in the next couple of weeks. And uh, yeah, it's big. Big end of the summer project. We always like to get something accomplished in the summer. And now that Megan obviously is not pregnant, we uh, were able to go ahead and uh, get some stuff done, which is nice. which is really good. So two questions. Yes. One, who's doing the work? Um, I'm, I'm doing work. Now the work has to be redone after I initially do the work. Oh, my God. Um, here's the funny thing. So I was in the kitchen. I was I was painting the kitchen and the dining room, and there was drops on the floor. There's paint on me. My wife is in the living room. There is nothing on the floor. There is not a spot on her clothes. Everything has been taped off perfectly. Perfect ventilation. Why I'm probably huffing in all this glidden paint and. Uh, and I painted, and she uh, she said, that's good. That's really good. Um, you can go get dinner now. And then when I came back, it was redone. So, yeah. Yeah, and you're getting new furniture. So did somebody else in your family pass away? No, we don't have any more. I, well, the dead aunt chair, uh, which lives now in infamy, that was a nice chair. And just because someone deceases, uh, <laughs> is deceased in said chair, doesn't make the chair unusable. Let, let's let's clarify that, right? Unless there was severe decomposition. Now there was some decomposition, but it didn't get on the on the fabric. So why would I get rid of a chair? My wife. So before we decided to remodel, we were looking at houses, right? Mm -hmm. Doing the tours, the whole nine yards. And they have to disclose to you, at least in the state of Ohio, if something traumatic has happened in the home, such as someone being murdered, killed, deceased, whatever. I don't seem to have a problem with any of that. Not to say that I want to live in a, you know, a place where someone's dead, but I don't, it's over. I mean, it's not happening right now, um, but my wife has a big problem with that. So let me let me first start off asking you this. 
you and your wife are, let's say you're out looking for a house or whatnot. And that information happens to come up in the conversation with the realtor. Does that bother you? Or do you say "Eh, that's life? I don't care. I'm probably going to fix it up anyway. So it doesn't bother me none. Is your wife more of, eh, this is a little on the sketch side or is she pretty cool with it? She wouldn't care. Depends on the price of the house. Well, that was that's all that would matter to her. That's all that matters is the number, right? And she's a good story though. So the first house I bought with my ex-wife, the lady who owned it died in the house. So it was was us and our our agent. It was an open house, and our agent took us out to it. And I didn't know the lady who passed away. Her daughter was in the house. Me being smart ass like I am said to our agent we were talking about the window coverings yeah i said did they come with the house and he said well i'm not sure and i was just trying to be a comedian that was not ideal lady needs them i looked over my shoulder and it was her daughter yeah still got the house though yeah yeah, I, I have my moments of not being a good person, and that was one of that them. That doesn't make you a bad person. <laughs> kind of does make a that wise crack. I mean, considering they only had the funeral the week before. So, I mean, it's a week. I mean, yeah. how sad so, can you be? Yeah. And I'll tell you another good one. So, when we redid the house, when we bought the house 11 years ago now, yeah, painted the kitchen. Uh-huh. So, we're painting away, Linda and I. I'm not the greatest painter. Like yourself, I'll admit that. Perfect. So I'm cutting in, trying to do good. And Linda's like, well, you know, you've been doing locks. I mean, I redid all the walls, skim coat them out, put in a new floor, redid the bathroom. I did it for a bit. She said, why don't you relax and watch some football? I said, well, no, I get this done. Want to want to have the house finished. She said, no, seriously, just relax today. You know, because I worked a Saturday. I knew I was back to work on a Monday. She says, relax, watch some football. Don't worry about it. She said, I'll paint this myself. No, 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 I'll get it cut in. We'll get it done. We'll have the afternoon together. And I quote, you can't paint worth a fuck. <laughs> Go watch football. Oh, my God. That's a loving wife right there. Wow. So I said, okay. I put the brush down, got changed, and I watch football. Wow. She was that, trying to get that's she, true love right there, buddy. I was just about to say she was trying to be very uh studious about the situation. And you know, nah, I got oh my god. So yeah, I got fired from painting my own house. Fired in your own house. I wasn't wow. upset about it. I was more than happy to sit down and watch football. Absolutely. Right. Wow, that is tremendous. Yep. Have, have you ever um when you bought, I mean, obviously you guys buy new cars correct yeah okay we we unfortunately we do not we, we buy like my car's a 2004 my wife's is a 2008 i mean that's about as rich as we can get right now but my parents had mentioned that one of their neighbors i don't know if i told you the story but uh they hadn't seen her for a while and it was like two two summers ago and they hadn't seen her for a while but her car was still there and they were wondering, well, maybe she got picked up by her sister or whatever. She was in her, I guess, in the mid to late 60s. Well, anyway, it wasn't until the mailman came around, or politically correct mail carrier, but he is a dude. 
So uh was was doing the mail and then my my mom said he just had this horrified look on his face. And I guess at some point, maybe early in the morning or late at night, one of the two, uh, had gone out to go get something, ended up pulling into a driveway, putting into park, and then had some type of medical event slumped over the console. So you really couldn't see, like if you were to look in there, you can't tell. Plus she was a more of a petite woman and, um, she had actually been in there. Wow. For quite a while. Cause the mail doesn't come until four or five in the afternoon. Well, that's unfortunate. Well, the, the point of the story is, uh, her children were selling the the car along with the house. And my dad said, Hey, listen, you probably get a good deal on that car. Probably would. And they said they got they got uh, they got it cleaned out and everything. So I go to my wife and I said, Hey, listen, that car, the the kids are looking to get rid of it. I mean, and she goes, Isn't that where she expired? I'm like, she's not bad lunch meat. I said, She died. Guess what? Newsflash, we're all gonna do it. And I said, she she died in the car. And I said, but my dad's curious. He popped over there and said, hey, what are you looking to get on the car? And they said, it's a pretty good deal. So what do you think? My wife shot that idea down faster than the first day of dunk cutting season. It just, sure. it did not work. I don't think Linda care. See, I don't know why anyone would care. Listen, if you're listening to this podcast and you think that it's no big deal, the car, as long as it's cleaned out, and as long as furniture, even someone died in it or a home that they died in, let us know what your thoughts are. Love to know what your take is. Does it bother you? Do you still feel like there's something, an aura about uh, anything that still might haunt you? Or do you feel like, you know what? They're not going to demolish the house. Someone's got to eventually buy it. Why not me? Not a bad point. Um, want to get your opinion on something medical, um, by the way. Before we go into the medical, I just want to let everybody know tonight's brought to you by our good friends at Red Bull. Get your wings, my friend. Um, this is my first Red Bull of the day, and this one's a 16-ouncer. Um, went to the doctor, and I have to get a sleep study done. It's, it's going to be here at the house. So I picked up the equipment at the local hospital, mm-hmm. and I brought it back to here. So they want to treat me, or test me, I should say, for severe sleep apnea. Yeah, because my my wife said, you snore like a freight train, but then you get really quiet for like a prolonged period of time. So anyway, I'm going to get hooked up to this machine tonight. And uh, do you know anybody who has ever had to get a sleep study or anybody who has sleep apnea? Yep. I live with her. Linda. Really? Linda's got sleep apnea. Really? So does she have a CPAP machine? She does. So how does she – is it a situation where – She's going to continuously have to be on that for ever. Yeah. Does she like it? You get used to it. Does she feel more well rested? Yes. Like that with the eye. See, that's what I want. I wake up feeling like dog shit. No, she found a big difference. Uh, it takes a little bit to get used to it. it. Took her three or four masks before okay. she found the one that fit really good. They'll they'll um, test your form or whatnot. Fit your form. Sorry, that's the word I'm looking for. It still took three or four before she found one that fit her right, and she liked it and was comfortable. 
Nice. Yeah, but no, she's she's got it. Works great. She's got an app on her phone that hooks mm-hmm. up to her uh, CPAP machine, tells her how she did throughout the night and whatnot. She was, I, she had severe sleep apnea. I forget what the number of times she stopped breathing was. Like it was it was crazy. The number was just you wouldn't believe it. You got a special pillow too, like a normal pillow is not worth a damn. Because it won't, when you lie on your side, the mask won't seal to your face with, without this special pillow. And wow. Makes a big difference, though. Because, yeah, <laughs> Linda snores bad. I do too. I should probably go get checked out. But she doesn't snore anymore, though, correct? No. Nope. So, she's good. How, okay. So, when did, would she wake you up at night if your sleeping was really bad? Would she like nudge you or? Oh, yeah. Like, we're, we're past the nudging. Face might be together a long time. <laughs> it's borderline beating now at this point. <laughs> There's a domestic dispute at night. First, over first the got together, be like a little nudge with your elbow. Now I'm pretty sure she just punches the piss out of me. I just don't remember. <laughs> I don't know. What happened? What I fell asleep last night. Yeah, <laughs> you walk no. into work with a sling. Oh my god. Yeah. So that's what's going to be happening after the show tonight. I'm gonna makes a world of difference. It really, really does, man. I'm looking forward to it. I'm really looking forward to it. I'm looking because I have literally felt like dog shit for years. Years. We're talking. Okay, let me tell you the last time I felt like I had a good night's sleep. I was about 22. I am going on 43, and I have never gotten a good night's sleep. Never. That's not good. That's why I sleep I great. Really? So even though you snore, it still doesn't bother you? Nope. Wow. I wake up and I mean, I'm up. If I'm if I sleep in, I'm up at six. Okay. But I mean, I wake up, good to go, roll out of bed. Let's get about the day. Are you a coffee person? Yes. Nice. But you're not into like five hour energy or monster. No. No. Okay. Never been my thing. Wow, interesting. So I'm gonna have to give everybody on the next episode an update on how the uh, the sleep apnea test went and then what the results are. Yeah. Send me a text tomorrow or whenever you get the results. Let me know. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then you can run them past Linda and she can be like, your friend is a mess. Is that the guy that looks like a walrus? Yes. I'm going to text her right now while we're talking. (laughs) Um, So, so many things are going on in the world of wrestling, you guys. We alluded to this at the top of the show. Uh, Brian Pillman Jr. It was interesting enough. uh, AEW decided not to renew his contract. And a lot of people were wondering because he was gone and Griff Garrison had been injured if they would bring back um, originally known as the Varsity Blondes. I don't know what they were referred to in their second incarnation, but he was not renewed by Tony Khan and he quietly was let go. And he had originally some indie bookings, but he was seen in Orlando uh, before SummerSlam. And it ended up that he had officially signed with wwe so pillman is reportedly supposed to be a part of nxt moving forward i'm happy for brian pillman i feel like it was kind of sad that he never really got a chance to to blossom i guess in aew and i think a big reason why for that is 
and you'll even agree with this because you're the one who's told me this, and I clearly was in denial, but uh, it was a bloated roster, and there was only so many people, and there's only so many hours of television. I mean, you don't really have much of an option. And for some people who are really looking to make it before your your window is closed as far as age, then you got to go somewhere else if it ain't working where you're at right now. So what's your what's your take on... Brian Pillman, as far as a wrestler, and what's your thoughts on him? Uh, Sound like he's going to uh, to NXT and he's going to debut soon. Uh, good luck to him in NXT. I hope it is amazing. Uh, he's not bad. I don't. He's not his dad, but right. That's that's always a rub on second, third, fourth generation talent. Correct. It's, it's, you know, when are we going to see another Brian Pillman? I don't know. Maybe never. Maybe somebody, but it's. It takes a special talent to be him. Now, with that said, Brian Pillman Jr. is not a bum. No, he's absolutely not. Right? I mean, it's not like he's the dog shit wrestler who's just living off his name. Because that is not the case with him. Right. Uh, he didn't get a great chance in AEW. However, I enjoyed his work with Griff Garrison. I mean, you yeah. talked about this. I, I was a fan. Yep. No, things didn't quite go well. Garrison got hurt, then everything kind of went sideways, really. And but it, he was a he was a, a victim of the bloated, bloated, good try, bloated roster. Too much. They have too much talent. He got lost in the shuffle, unfortunately, which is so sad because yeah. he could be. I think he could be a legit mid Carter. And there's nothing wrong with being a legit mid-carder. I'm not saying he's a jobber. I'm not saying he's a bum. Not at all. Right. But I don't think he's ever going to be the guy. I just, I don't think he is. But I think he's a guy who will be around forever and a day. He's just always going to put off a decent match. Never going to be anything special, but always going to put off a good match. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's been a lot of guys make a lot of money and have a good career being a solid mid-carder. There's yeah. no shame in that. And I'm not cutting him up. I'm not trying to downplay him by no stretch of the imagination. Well, wouldn't you agree, though, but that, you know, I think when you pay attention to wrestling and you really understand what it's all about, that not everybody can be the champion or the guy and – Everyone does have a role to play in the big production, the big traveling show that is a wrestling show. And everyone fits in different spots. And unfortunately, it looks like the slot that, you know, Pillman wanted to attain. It's a lot of other people who not only are just amply qualified to fill that slot, but they have a little bit more personality and a little bit more fire. Let me ask you, when it comes to Pillman's personality and his charisma and the character performance of being in wrestling, we know he can physically wrestle. That's not a question. Did you feel like his personality was just too underwhelming? It wasn't enough to separate himself from some of the larger-than-life personalities that AEW has? Oh, he definitely doesn't have the big persona. Now, with that said, does he? We just didn't get a chance to see it? That's a good question, I think. Give myself a pat on the back for that one. Go with the whole Barry Horowitz pat on the back. 
No, but we because we really didn't see him do a lot of talking. Very little. Right when he was with Griff Garrison and Julia Hart, don't they didn't do much on the mic. Put off some good matches. So do we do we know what he's like on the microphone? We don't know. Now was he not on the microphone because he's not good on the microphone? Could be. It's a possibility. But he's still new in the industry. Well, relatively new. Not that he's been around doing this for 10 years or 12 years or nothing. Still a young man. And you can learn. You're never going to learn to have a big personality. Like, you know, you have the charisma or you don't. But you can make improvements to where you're a little more serviceable. So, I mean, we never seen his personality, his interviews. Maybe, just to play devil's advocate here, just say he doesn't have the greatest promos and biggest personality. WWE, NXT, will actually help him with that. I agree. Because they'll tell him what to say. Or or give him his talking points, the main things to say. Well, if that's the case and you don't have to fly by the seat of your pants, life's a little bit easier when you know what you have to say, what you have to get across. It might be exactly what he needs. You know, give him a little confidence, give him a little swagger. You know, he's already good in the ring. If he gets a little bit of confidence on the mic, because he's getting some help from WWE, then you don't know. Maybe that'll give him a little more confidence on the mic to, you know, speak for himself. We'll say, not not need so much the talking points and whatnot. Could be your stepping stone, right? But as of right now, from what we've seen, you would have to say he might not be the greatest on the microphone. Do you do you think that? Because there's a lot of young guys in in second generations. I mean, clearly you have. You know, Brian Pillman Jr., you have Brock Anderson. Um, it is harder. We talked about this in a previous episode to kind of break away and separate yourself from that. I mean, Cody and Dustin did everything they could to break away from being in the shadow of Dusty. Um, Ted DiBiase Jr. tried to do the best he could to break away from his his old man. Um, so it's it's one of these things where it's like you almost have to work 10 times harder because there is that level of pressure on you. And I feel like sometimes it's it's undue and it's not fair. But I also think in some ways you need to find a way to make people look at you and not look at your father or family member or whoever that may be. And I think right now Pillman's still trying to find that. I mean, think about what his gimmick was in AEW. It was what? The Varsity Blondes. But his father was the... The Hollywood Blondes. So there really wasn't anything that was immediately separating you from his dad. The mullet haircut, the same body build, the same shtick. Yeah, high flyer, this or that. Very nice baby face guy. It was just kind of like, okay, well, you know, I think if he tried to do the loose cannon Brian Pillman, I think that also would have been panned by the critics. Because they also would have saw him as, well, he's just trying to do his dad's shtick. So I think Brian was really in a tough situation because his dad was a great baby face, but his dad was also a great heel. And maybe change up his look and try something different. But it didn't look like uh, he was actually going to have that opportunity at AEW. And we wish him the best. I mean, if WWE, like you said, 
uh, has him working on his promos and is speaking on the microphone and his confidence and his charisma, then you know what? Then you you have something to work with there. But um, yeah, Brian Pillman Jr. officially with the WWE. I'll throw something out, Mike, if you don't mind. Sure. So you're a second-generation talent, mm-hmm. and you're coming in to wrestling. Would you not be further ahead to not go by your parents' name? I think it would be smart. Think? I think it would be smart, yeah. Because especially if your dad, mom, whatever it is, is a legend, a superstar. Now you're coming in. you got to live up to that hype. You do. And if you're a good wrestler... You're a bum. Huh. His dad was amazing. Way better. Yeah. He didn't, he's not as good as his dad. Or not good as is not mom. enough. Still a damn good wrestler, but not the superstar that his parents or uncle or whatever it would be is. Right? No, the, in, in today's day and age, the word's going to get out that that's Brian Pillman's young fella. Mm-hmm. But that would be different if he wasn't going by brian pillman jr and i'm not saying that just to pick on him i'm just using him for an example sure i think you probably be further ahead to not go by family name yeah people know that's fine we're all smart marks but if you don't have the family name i just think you'd have a little more leeway i think right because the the road is long of talent that never lived up to family the family name well, I don't know if this maybe will fit the conversation, but what about Brian Christopher? I mean, obviously he was the son of Jerry Lawler, but he never went as Brian Lawler or he was Brian Christopher. Yep. And, you know, he was in the USWA. Obviously his father was as well. But Brian Christopher had a very different presentation than his dad. And he got over with the audience and he, you know, was – was great grandmaster sexy and i think all of that was good and i think that kind of touches on your point about if you're going to do something and you have a parent that is a legend don't use the name it's just you're you're already so far behind the eight ball yes right off the get-go you're you're just about damned because if you're not a superstar even if you're very good, excellent, whatever you want to go with, your step below a superstar. Huh. No, he's good, but his old man, Jesus, his old man was better. Yeah. And that's that would be hard on you. It is. Right? Then that's not just a wrestling thing. That's a like you're a teacher. I don't know what your your folks did. I'm not asking none of my business, but just say you're a mom or dad or a teacher. And it's like, oh, do you remember when Mr. Freeland taught here. He was a damn good teacher. Uh, his young fellow Mike, he's all right, but hey, he's not Mr. Freeland. Well, how are you going to feel? It's going to be tough. It's going to be a tough pill right? to swallow. You're going to feel like a sack of shit. Yeah. Anybody would. That's just demoralizing. It's human nature to. Right? So, I, I don't know. Just That just kind of popped into my head there. Sorry, I didn't mean to hijack your, your questions there. No, I just think that it's it's one of those situations where instead of being the son or the daughter of somebody else, you have to really 
work even harder than everyone else. And let's take a look at Charlotte Flair, for example. Uh, I don't know how many people really know her story, but she never wanted to be. It's a, her name is Ashley, but she never wanted to be a pro wrestler. It was her younger brother, Reed. That was his passion is to follow in the footsteps of his father. Uh, Reed was an amateur wrestler as well. Then he was a collegiate wrestler. He definitely wanted to be in pro wrestling. Ashley had no aspirations whatsoever. David dabbled in it for a little bit. Um, Megan did not get into the wrestling industry at all. But she said she did it because she was trying to, in some way, you know, have Reed's memory live on through her career, which I don't even know if a lot of people are super familiar with that. Do you remember hearing something about that? No. Uh, I know a little bit about Reed's story, but I never knew Charlotte or, or Ashley basically took up wrestling and for Reed. Yeah. I, I never knew that. I remember when I was reading that, I went, oh, my God, She, because she even said, you know, dad was in the business and my sister and I really didn't have any interest in wanting to do it. Our brother David did, um, but that's all Reed would talk about. And when Reed passed away, it was something that I wanted to do for my brother and um, to have a second generation flair. Now, Charlotte is Charlotte's different, man. I mean, whatever you want to say about her, she's a legend. She already is. She has accomplished so much in WWE. Now, I know a lot of people, and even myself, I've, I've kind of criticized it because I feel like in some ways they're kind of following the same story as they told with Rick. You know, the 16-time champion, this and that. And I think everyone was counting the championships as she was winning them, almost as if it was like it was a female Ric Flair. And in some ways I was like, Okay, she needs to get away from that, but she didn't. She went the exact opposite direction and she embraced it. And for good, bad, or indifferent, it has worked for her. So when it comes to for every wrestler who doesn't make it as a second generation, there are wrestlers who do make it as second generations. What do you think is the driving factor that separates the ones who make it from the ones who don't? Uh, some's just God given talent. This is true. Just straight up that. You know, they have the talent, the physical tools. Because Charlotte's a great athlete. She, she plays is. basketball or volleyball in college. So, you know, if you're playing collegiate sports, you know. You're the stuff. cream of the crop. Yeah. Right? So, I mean, obviously she's a great athlete. So that Delphi set her on the right path. Right? She had her heart put in it. So, I mean, if you've got a great athlete whose heart is in it, even if she didn't want, that's not what she wanted to do. But she wouldn't try to um, uh, fill Reed's boots. I don't know if I probably should have worded it that way. But carry on with Reed's torch, however you want to look at it. Right. She wouldn't do that if her heart wasn't in it. Oh, I agree. You, you can't be a wrestler at that level if your heart's not in it. And want it for you, someone else. You just won't be around. Yes. She'll, she'll get a chance. Sure, she will. Ric Flair's daughter. She'll probably get two or three chances. But she's not going to get the opportunities that she's gotten. And she's earned them all. I'm not saying that she hasn't. But a lot of it is you've got to be a, a great athlete. Uh, your heart's got to be in it. The rest can be worked on. But those are things you can't be taught. You can't taught to be 
a great athlete, and you can't teach hurt. So those are probably the two biggest things that will separate it. You know, she's got great charisma as well. So she's she's good on the mic. She's not she's not great, but she's good on the mic. She's serviceable when it comes to right? talking. Yeah. It's good enough. If you're a great athlete that puts off great matches, whether we like it or not, and I'm in the same boat as you, I've hyped and graped and pissed and moaned. Charlotte Flair again, Jesus, we're tired of this. She's still a good wrestler. She still puts off quality matches, you know. So she, she's what you want, but yeah, it's the you need the natural given talent and the hurt. And you want you need breaks too, obviously. I mean, if your parents were a regional wrestler, that doesn't mean you're gonna get a chance at the show. You'll get a chance in, in that region that might elevate you to getting a chance in the show, but that's not how it works. For the most part. No, for the most part, you're right. right? I agree. So I think those are the biggest things. Kind of moving on, yet still staying in that same conversation. Uh, did you ever end up getting a chance to catch the Cody Rhodes documentary? I have not. It was phenomenal. And I went into it looking for every reason to not like it. Now, for everybody who's not super familiar with me, I'm not a big fan of WWE. I haven't been a fan of them for a long time. I just have a lot of morality issues with it. And, and I know a lot of people can say, take your morals and shove it. And you're completely fair to say that. And I, 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 I just feel like that company, man, where there's, where there's smoke, there's fire. And I, there's so many people who've come out and, and made comments and said things and some horrible things that have happened. And people who, you know, have been subjected to things and treatment. I just don't agree with, but anyway, that's nor here nor there. When we talk about second generation wrestlers, you know, Cody Rhodes definitely needs to come up in conversation because everything that you just said, they have to have the heart. They can't want it for someone else. They also have to want it for themselves. And I think that kind of epitomizes Cody Rhodes. You know, when you look at that documentary and for everyone who hasn't seen it yet, definitely check it out. It's on Peacock. Yeah, I think it's called American Nightmare, the Cody Rhodes story. It is so good. And without giving anything away, it just kind of talks about how his dad was his idol. And when he went to, you know, middle school and high school wrestling tournaments and all of this kind of stuff, what it was like and being ranked in the state of Georgia and then nationally and then deciding that he wanted to go into acting straight out of high school, not go to college. Um, they talk about the struggles they went through financially in the 90s which was very difficult, 90s and the early 2000s. And then ultimately what brought Cody to where he is today. And I will admit I was one of those people who said, you know, how could Cody walk away from AEW? He's one of the founding guys. Like that's just, why? Why would you, why would you start something if you're not going to finish it? And AEW, WWE, I feel like they're just spokes on the wheel of the ultimate journey of a man if that makes sense and it's not aew that defines cody it's not wwe that defines cody it's cody's personal life story of how he decided to go from one part to the next part to the next part to feel complete as a man and it is a really good documentary wwe always does great production always does great production 
And this one is definitely something to check out. So once again, if you haven't seen it, you can find it on Peacock. I'm sure you can find it anywhere on the internet if you search it. There's probably bootleg versions of it floating around there. But um, Cody had the Young Bucks in his documentary. Talked about Tony Khan. AEW is in there. There's a lot of stuff in there that really shocked me. You're going to see a lot of AEW content in the documentary. So... You know, basically, it, it continues to boil down to, well, what was the real reason why he left? And I think we've been talking about that since we found out that there was uh, a non-disclosure signed by he and Tony Khan back when Cody decided to leave. But we really got an insight in the documentary when Brandy got on camera and they said, yeah, we're in AEW and we're working without a contract and other people are, are, you know, getting their contracts done and we're still working without a contract. And from what I understand, it was a three-year contract with a two-year option to get picked up. And Brandy said, I don't know why our two-year contract, our two-year uh, option was not picked up. I don't know why. Now, of course, she, she does, but... Cody's never going to say that. But let me ask you this question. I mean, if you really had to boil it down, would Cody Rhodes have been somebody that you would have made sure you signed or you picked up the option on their contract? If you're Tony Khan and you're building this AEW franchise, do you feel like looking back at Cody and, and what he his body of work in AEW, would he been better off picking up his two-year option? Or you know what? This just wasn't working out for all parties, and we had to let you go. You put me in a tough spot there, Mike, because you, you know I'm biased when it comes to Cody. Yeah. Um, I would have signed him because I'm, I'm a huge mark for Cody. I'm not saying it's the right call. It's probably not. I would have signed him. He's your EVP. He's one of your founding members. Now, Throw this out there. He could never compete for a championship. I don't know why. Clause he had yes. With, um, Jericho, I believe. Was it Jericho? I was thinking Max, but nonetheless, whoever it was. So he could never compete for a championship. Maybe it was So Max. at that point, basically, he's going to be what? Mid-card. Mid-card. No, TNT Cody's. championship at best. Yeah, we all know how that's going to work out. Oh, my God. We're not going on that road tonight. Don't have enough time. No. But so they were kind of stuck with it there. As where do you go with him? He was at the ceiling. He couldn't do more. He could be a tag team champion, TNT champion, uh, mid Atlantic champion. I think it was still being called at that point. That was about it. Yeah. So. He's going to be one of the names, one of the faces of the organization. Going to want a pretty penny, deservedly, to be a McCarter. That's where it gets a little bit tough there. Now, he's also doing his backstage stuff, so that's worth, no, that's worth something. But he could never be a star. He, he could never be, not that he... Let me try this again. He can never be your marquee. He can never be your the guy that's on your commercial as your champion. 
No, he was still going to be a star because he's that good in the ring. He's that good on the mic. He's very creative, great mind. But he could never be the face because he could never be your champion. So that makes it tough. So they kind of screwed the pooch a little bit there when they came up with that clause. And I like that clause. But there's got to be a way to get out of it. That clause has been getting used for 50 years. Oh, I agree. It's just like loser leaves town and yep. all that stuff. There's got to be a loophole in it somehow because you can't just have it. Yep, Cody lost, so he can never be the champion now. Well, and I mean, not just Cody, anybody, but we're just because Cody's the guy we're talking about. That's just, I don't know. Yeah, it's great that it gives you that that hype to it. But when a guy him loses, well, now where do you go if there's not some way to get out of it? Well, isn't it like uh, the retirement match type of deal? You know, mm-hmm. oh, loser retires. Well, there's always a reason why that happens, and there's always a way to bring them back out of it. But this one, you're right. It really kind of pigeonholed Tony Khan and AEW into a situation where, okay, if he doesn't win, then he can't be the world champion. And I think for a lot of people, I think they initially were hating on AEW because they were like, oh, the Young Bucks are always going to be tag champs. Cody's probably going to be the world champion. Kenny's probably going to get all the five-star matches. And like they're always going to be at the top, and then there's going to be everyone else. And I think maybe in some way Tony Khan or maybe Cody or you know however they were doing the booking were trying to say, you know what, let's throw some people off here. Let's throw some people off. If they, if they think this small group is going to be the ones that run rough shot and dominate everything and no one else gets a shot and everyone gets held down, well, let's do something different. And I think in that way, as you were alluding to, it's good to have that clause, but you also have to have an out and you have to have a really, really good plan to do with that person if you're not going to give them a chance to win the world title. It just doesn't make any sense because... I mean, when it came to Cody, and let me ask you this, but he always, and I don't know, he kind of alluded to this before in an interview I read. He likes to be the baby face. He likes to be that that rocky persona that, that you know, I'm fighting against all odds and I'm going to come back and triumph and, and I might get beat this time and I get might get beat next time, but I'm coming back again. And I think fans in AEW might have just had enough if that makes sense and they were like what are we gonna do i mean when the audience doesn't accept you as a baby face i mean take roman reigns for example we had that shit shoved down our throats for years and then he turned heel and then when you turn heel it's the perfect opportunity when you lose to turn face and actually it to work and it never worked because I, I honestly do believe deep down inside my heart that Cody never wanted to turn heel. Uh, did you feel that same way? I agree with you 100%. Uh, he wanted to be a face. And he's a good face. Yeah. However, but once the fans turn on you, what do you do? You got to go want. with the flow. Yeah. Right. Like if you just keep, you no, know, like Roman, if you just keep forcing it and forcing it, people get fed up. Because we we want our way. I know that sounds really childish to put it that simple, but that's what we want. I agree. We want our way, and if we don't get it, we're gonna pitch a Jesus big hissy fit, and we're gonna turn on him. 
And that's exactly what happened to Cody, unfortunately. Cody also mentioned on the documentary, and, and again, in subsequent interviews, if you read what he said, I think he did an interview with Vanity Fair. He did one with Sports Illustrated that it wasn't about money. He says it wasn't about other talent coming into the company. It was a personal matter. And I guess what had happened was Bruce, he spoke to Bruce Pritchard or he found or some Bruce Pritchard found out somehow that Cody was working without a contract. And obviously there's tampering. So you can't talk to somebody if they're under contract. That was the big kerfluffle between WWE and AEW that got Tony Khan so riled up before. If you remember that, and that's when he started to get really upset with, with Paul Levesque and um, Nick Khan, because they were, in a way, kind of circumventing that whole tampering thing to kind of put the feelers out. Who in AEW would be interested in jumping if they had the opportunity? And he found out he wasn't under contract, so Bruce, I guess, got in contact with Cody. And then uh, Vince literally flew to Cody's house to sign him and you know, pull out all the stops, the bells, the whistles, the, all that stuff. And you know, he probably pulled at his heartstrings, too, about the Dusty thing. So... And that's how you steal an executive vice president, a founding father of a company away. And that's a big blow. I don't think Cody was a ratings guy. I think the blow was more from a, not even a moral standpoint, uh, morality um, or, you know, just the, the morale of the company. Cause I don't really think anybody quote unquote missed Cody and Brandy there. I think it was just a power play from WWE to say, guess what? We can still flex our muscle and we can still do whatever we want to do. It was a brilliant move for WWE. This, this is going to pain you, Mike. So hear me out. Here we go. Bruce and Vince in this situation were geniuses. They played this perfectly. They got, because let's be honest, they all know what's going on. Everybody knows when somebody's contract is up or yes. is coming up very soon. They all know. It's it's not that big of a community. You, your buddy's in WWE. No, I'm in AEW. We're talking about everything. You're talking about contracts. So it's not like it's a hush-hush. Correct. You know, secret. They knew. No. Tony Khan dropped the ball bad to have him wrestling without a contract on TV all the time. You can't let Cody be a free agent. You either need to, okay, you're a free agent and then you're done, you're off the show, or you're resigned with us. You can't be on the show and a free agent. That was foolish. That was just a, a knucklehead move on Tony Khan's part. Is it inexperience? Is it foolishness? I don't know. Maybe he just assumed Cody would never leave so we could take our sweet time working out this contract. We'll never know. But Vince and Bruce coming in and scooping him up like that, that was a brilliant play on their part. Fantastic. And let's be honest, if Vince is going to fly down to Cody lives in where? Atlanta, I think. Yep. If he's going to fly down there on his private jet, how do you think Cody feels? The old oh, man huge. is flying down. Yes. Was, let's be honest. It was probably uh, Vince. Bruce was there. 
you know, Khan was probably there. Nick Khan was there. Triple H might have been there. Wouldn't be shocked if he was there. Because, you know, Vince is not showing up on his own. He's coming in guns blazing with the full-on presentation. You know, briefcase full of cash. You know, what do you want? Here's a blank contract. He's coming in hot and heavy to get this done. Full-on presentation. Making Cody feel like a million dollars. And Cody and Vince is not just strangers to each other. No, Cody was a little boy when when Dusty was in WWF, it would have been then. So, I mean, he's been around Vince since he was a little fella. He's been around Bruce since he was a little fella. They have that connection. He worked there, you know, and Vince just swooped in and, and made it all rainbows and unicorns and gave him what he wanted. It was a brilliant play on their part. And, yeah, when you take away somebody like him from an organization, AEW, which is still a fairly new company, it's a total power play. Right? Yeah, it it shows why AEW is the A show, or, sorry, why WWE is the A show and AEW is the B show. Sorry, Mike. I hope I'm welcome back next week. No. Well, um... We'll think about it. Um, I'll buy a new shirt. Yeah, thank you. Um, I I think that Cody is loved, if that's the right word, by a lot of people in WWE. I think that he feels like it is his home. And he talked about it being his home. And AEW, well, I, I don't know. I look at it. Tell me if this makes sense to you. And when I sat and I, I was watching the documentary, I thought, well, how can we draw comparisons? When we talk on the show here, we always want to draw comparisons in, in parallel so people can say, oh, I get it. Paul Heyman was a WWE guy, knew Vince Sr., worked around all of that, worked in WCW, did all these things. He's known for ECW, but that wasn't where his roots were. W, or ECW was a a moment, a chapter in his life, a, a pretty big one, but it's not the only one. And I feel like that seems to be the case with Cody. AEW is a chapter in his life, mm-hmm. right? But it's not the whole story. And I think as wrestling fans, we tend to look at things very black and white, you know, us versus them. I like this. I don't like that. I watch Wednesdays. I don't watch Mondays. And I feel like, as time goes on, you're starting to realize Paul Heyman always wanted to be in WWE. Paul Heyman wasn't tore up that ECW ended. It was another opportunity for him to, to continue his career, continue telling his story. And I think Cody looks at WWE the same way. I had a great chapter with AEW. We started something new. I'm, I'm proud of the foundation that we laid for the younger talent, but it's not my complete story. Now, do I think Cody will come back? Yes. I firmly 100% believe that. I believe when after he wins a championship and however long his contract is, I think I think with WWE, it's a three- or five-year deal. And I think since he was off for 10 months from his pec injury, they'll probably tack that 10 months on to the end. So it'll be a while. But I think he'll eventually show back up in AEW. I think after this is out of his system and he 
wins the big one. Does that make sense? After he kind of sows his oats in, in WWE, I, I think he'll return and it will be part of this big storyline arc about the elite coming back together. Do you, do you buy into that? Or do you think that's a bunch of pie in the I sky? Like I like it. The The prodigal son has returned, has returned. Absolutely. I like it. I could dig that. Um, getting back to one, his contract, I'm fairly sure was a three year deal that he signed. And the other thing is, I'm curious where you, when you say, uh, Heyman wasn't upset that ECW ended and he was going to WWE. That intrigues me. Uh, do you care to elaborate? Because I, I thought the exact opposite, personally. Okay, so what I mean by that is, if you look at Paul Heyman's career, like his legacy, Paul Heyman spent so much time, you know, he was he was around the Grand Wizard. Uh, big, big fan of his. Uh, was around Vince Sr., was around Madison Square Garden. He was such a big part of wanting to be a part of the business. And when that didn't come to fruition, you know, he started the Dangerous Alliance when he went to WCW. But I think his ultimate goal was always to get back to the mecca of pro wrestling because he loved pro wrestling. And if it meant, okay, I got to stop off and do some stuff here at WCW, and then I have an opportunity to, to start something over here with ECW because once again, the door to WWE wasn't open. I'm going to do things that eventually get the door open in WWE. And I feel like Paul worked a lot of angles, but Paul was really in the whole situation with ECW to promote Paul. And I think Paul liked that Paul, much like Tony Khan is the Grand Pumbaa, or whatever you want to refer to him as, the head honcho of the company. And I think he knew competing with WCW and competing with WWE was going to be a very big uphill battle. And I think he finally conceded to, okay, I'll be a feeder to WWE. Okay, we financially can't do this. I'm going to have to go ahead and, and, and take money from WWE. But you know what? Ultimately, that's where I want to be. And I think that, I mean, I don't think he was all that tore up about ECW ending. I mean, because think about it. A lot of the people didn't find out, the talent didn't find out until it was on television. I forget who who gave the interview, but they said, uh, I didn't realize ECW was gone until I saw Paul Heyman commentating on Monday Night Raw. And it was like, what the hell happened here? So again, ECW was a part of Paul in Paul's way of getting into WWE and that's just kind of the way it worked. So do I think there's still a soft spot in his heart for, for ECW? Sure. But I don't think it was like crushing, nor do I think WCW ending was crushing to Eric Bischoff. I think Bischoff was reserved to the point. He got to the point where he thought, okay, you know what? This is the way it is. We had our run. We tried our best. We tried to defeat um, Goliath didn't work but we still have our place in history and i'll accept working for him so i don't know just just my take on that whole thing it's an interesting take so cody Rhodes says in the documentary please do not edit this out if there's anything you do not edit don't edit this i did not leave aew because of money or because of talent i left because there was a personal reason 
And, you know, people have speculated many times that he leave because his dad was a, a legendary, really great mind and a great booker. And Ring of Honor was really important in Cody's developmental career. And now that Tony bought Ring of Honor, you know, maybe Cody would want to be a booker in Ring of Honor or Cody would want to take on more of that responsibility. And, you know, it, it's a, you, you sit around, you know, the water cooler and you can speculate on a whole bunch of reasons why we think Cody left. But I think a big reason is Tony Khan didn't need Cody Rhodes anymore. And I hate to say that, but that's what I feel like. If, if he wasn't willing to play ball, then you know what? You got to go. Maybe you need to go back and do something else. So Tony Khan didn't need him or Tony Khan didn't think he needed him. Tony Khan didn't think he needed Cody Rhodes because, or maybe even he didn't need him because if Cody wasn't willing to at least evolve or change, then what's the point? Because don't you have to, all characters have to evolve and change with the time. If they're booing you, then you go with being a boo, being an asshole. Perfect example is MJF. You know, MJF spills his whole story about, and I believe a lot of it, social anxiety. And then he was talking about some of the things he was diagnosed with. And people had made racial comments about Jew boy and this and that. And, you know, what made him into the person he is, which I do believe a lot of that. And, you know, he basically covered himself up with this mask to be this asshole so he could never get hurt or whatever. Point is, though, he was this bad guy. But to evolve and get to the next level, he had to go through a change. And he did, and he accepted that change, and he embraced that change, and it worked for him. And I think we're going to be setting up – we're going to talk later on in the show about what's going to happen at Wembley. I've got such – so many thoughts running through my mind uh, about how MGF is going to come out looking like such a huge, huge star, uh, even in a losing effort. So – but – uh We'll come back to more of the Paul Hammond discussion, how I draw the parallels, but I, I still think that there's a lot of things that you can take from the industry that they mirror one another. Would you agree? Like, okay, this situation is a lot like this one. Oh, of course. Because it all just recycles. Yes. For the most part. You can't come up with more things. No. At this point, it's pretty much all been done. Wrestling's been yeah. around forever. So it's all just going to be a little twist of this with a little dash of that and a sample of this and just the way it is now. And then you have L.A. Knight. And that's literally how it works. Um, L.A. Knight is amazing, just for record, okay? Right. People need to get on board. This but, whole, he's ripping off Stone Cold. He's I don't think he's ripping off, off or, but, but, but listen to the, the cadence, the way he speaks. Sometimes he talks in third person. Uh, there's a lot of, I mean, you know, with the uh, the vest, Look, I'm not trying to be a, a tinfoil conspiracy theorist, and oh, I'm sure. not. I'm a guy who's rooted in fact. So the government you're, is just, you're rooted in something. I am, or I'm rooting around in something. Um, we'll, we'll get back to that. But yeah, he he took a little bit from everybody. I I totally believe that. But and there's nothing wrong with it. I I, I don't do? think there is. But but that's what we said before. There's no such thing as being organically brand new and different in wrestling. Because, okay, you're going to be the most craziest heel? Well, we've already seen it. You want to be the greatest babyface in the world? Yeah, we've already seen that. Do you want to see somebody who is a, technically a heel but gets over like a babyface? Yeah, we've already seen that. You know, there are certain things that, unfortunately, unless you emulate that and you try to find success in that again, 
then where do you go? Where do you go? You you have to you have to li- literally go back to okay, well this worked back in 1987 or this worked back in 1990. Let's try it again. Um, let's see. I wanted to send this to you, but I didn't get a chance to because the house has been tore up. So when when was this? Let's see here. Details. Um, April. Okay. Oh, no, August the 3rd. August the 3rd. So that was, what, a week ago? Yes, sir. Okay. Um, so on Twitter, I follow 90s WWE. Okay. And it says, 25 years ago today, I choppy choppy your PP as Raw goes off the air with Kai and Tai about to do the deed. Um, <laughs> so a week ago, it was the 25th anniversary of choppy choppy pp and i know we've referenced that on the show before i just thought it would be kind of interesting to bring it full circle to let you know that it was the 25th anniversary that's such a great segment for all the wrong reasons it was i mean if they you know, tried to pull that off today there'd be bad but somebody would get their panties in a bunch yes but that was funny come on that's hilarious mm-hmm if you can't laugh at that, I don't know what to tell you. Go talk to somebody. Speaking of talking to somebody, let's talk about uh, this is in the Sportster. If you're rebooking the 10 worst WWE storylines in the golden era. So when we talk about some of these storylines, um, I don't know if we're necessarily going to rebook them, but we're going to talk about them. And I want to get your opinion on what did you not like about it? And what do you think could have been done better? Does that sound fair? Let's go. Okay. So coming in at number 10 is Papa Shanga poisoning the ultimate warrior. And then the warrior turning heel. What do you think about the Papa Shanga ultimate warrior feud that many people believe was one of the dumbest things and that's saying a lot because WWE has done a lot of dumb stuff. Um, but the Papa Shango situation, would you? Because it was in the um, destruction yeah. of the Ultimate Warrior, the Papa Shango. Uh, yeah, storyline. it was. It was not good. Let's let, let's be delicate here. It, it was not good. Um, you know, the Warrior had his limitations both in the ring and, and between his ears. And Papa Shango was fairly new. He was, I think he was pretty green at that point. Just the whole thing, it was very 90s WWF, WWE, whatever it was then. I mean, you poison somebody and it changes their mind or their brain or whatever. I How I would have changed it is it would have never happened because it's dumb. Well, I'm not trying to be a jerk. I'm just no. I think it's. I think it's fair. It's fair. I mean, it was like you just would. You would have stayed away from it. Yes. If you wanted to do a feud with them, okay, that's cool. But I don't know. I don't know how you could have done something because that was Papa Shango's gimmick. He was a voodoo man. Correct. You know, he put a, a a hex on you. A spell on you have a voodoo doll so so it kind of made sense 
for all the wrong reasons because it was, I don't know, the whole Papa Shango gimmick didn't do much for me personally. I, I mean, when he became the Godfather, I mean that that was he was meant to do that. I think that that was just gold. Yeah, the Papa Shango gimmick I didn't really care much for. It was creepy as a kid when you seen it. Oh, I was I was terrified of that. Right. So, but it was just I don't know. Didn't make sense. Didn't age well. No, just. Should never happen, unfortunately. It didn't help anybody. No, it didn't. Not like Papa Shango got over. Warriors of Heel didn't get over. No. It was fooey. I'm trying to pull up some information about that feud. Let me see here. Here we go. Um. Well, let me see. Where is the Ultimate Warrior at? I'm just trying to. Here we go. Um. So let me scroll up here and go a little further. Papa Shango's character debuted on the February eighth, nineteen ninety two edition of WWF Superstars, defeating enhancement talent Dale Wolf. Now Shango was then thrust into the spotlight immediately. Uh, running into Hulk Hogan versus Sid Justice main event that happened at WrestleMania uh, 8. Shango actually missed his cue to run into the ring. The finish was supposed to be Sid getting disqualified because Papa Shango was to break up the actual pinfall attempt by Hulk Hogan. However, that didn't quite happen. Now, the Ultimate Warrior, uh, who was released from the company shortly after that, returned to the company, and his first feud was going to be against Pop Shango. Uh, after WrestleMania, Sid and the Warrior were scheduled to begin a feud. Sid had previously failed a drug test of his own, so therefore they had to write Shango into the storyline against the Ultimate Warrior. Ultimately, the angle went nowhere as the Warrior ended up challenging Randy Savage for the WWF Heavyweight Championship at SummerSlam, with the rivalry culminating to nothing. Shango defeated Tito Santana in a dark match. Then Shango finally had his match with Warrior in November of 92, but the Warrior was released again, and the match subsequently was the last one they would have, and it never went anywhere again. So, looks like a bunch of failed drug tests ultimately led to the demise of this feud, which should have been something. But you're right, it was very cartoonish. The Ultimate Warrior was very cartoonish. Papa Shango, the voodoo guy, was very, um, you know, cartoonish. But I would say at that point in time, and you're right, Papa Shango had just come into the WWF. He wasn't very good. Like, and that's not to say anything against Charles Wright, but he just wasn't. He was more character than he was substance. And that can be said the same about the Ultimate Warrior. A lot of character, very little substance. And the Warrior made no sense when he spoke. And Papa Shango never really spoke. So I guess this is why they had to go to all those lengths to do all the additional storytelling that was happening outside of the ring. But um, things just never end up working out for those two. Bummer. I would have loved to have seen a trilogy between those three. And between those two. Sure. Wouldn't that be great? Said Wouldn't... nobody ever. <laughs> that could have highlighted or headlined a WrestleMania, right? No. Next. Just Let's me. move on, Mike. Let's let it go, bud. Let Number it go. nine, Dusty Rhodes coming out with polka dots. 
um, and they were rebuilding him as the American Dream. Now, many people know Dusty Rhodes' time in WWE as being a jovial babyface and his manager, the Sweet Sapphire. WWE changed his persona to make it look a little more controversial with polka-dotted gear, since Vince McMahon didn't like the idea of using gimmicks from other companies like Dusty's prior character. Now, a feud with Randy Savage had some fun moments, but Rhodes rarely had a chance at big moments in the WWE. He subsequently left after getting overlooked, and he went back to WCW to be once again the American Dream and be even a bigger star. Let me ask you this. A lot of people have said over the years, this is not a rib. This wasn't done to make fun of him. I have to say bullshit on that because nothing against Sapphire, but I mean, could you come up with a more goofy-looking outfit? For somebody who's been a badass in another company? That was purely Vince puffing his chest. Oh, I'm Vince McMahon. Just buried Dusty. Unfortunately, Dusty deserved better. That was just utter garbage. That whole thing. I don't blame him for going back. He did not get used properly. He... I mean, I forget how long he was there for that run, but it was basically wasted time. It was a paycheck, and that was it. He got nothing out of it. He didn't benefit from it. WWE didn't benefit from it. He looked like a jackass, to be quite honest with you. And WWE looked stupid. Nobody won in that deal. Sapphire won, because nobody knew who the hell she was, and then she was on TV. That was really the winner of that whole deal. Yeah, I agree. Right, it was... That was bad. That was 100% Vince just flexing. Showing what he can do. No polka dots. Why? Why on somebody like him? That just does not make sense whatsoever. You know, he, he was the Texas ass-kicking machine. Oh, no, you, you were polka dots now, but uh, thanks for coming out. Screw off. No, I agree with you. Um, so just to kind of let you know how that all happened, uh, Rhodes was introduced to the WWF audience through a series of vignettes in 1989, which led to him uh, graciously uh, being introduced to the audience as a working class man, the son of a plumber, a butcher's apprentice, a gas station attendant, the man who could be anything, anywhere. And he said, well, hey, what are you? Rhodes continued to wrestle DiBiase as he had wrestled him previously in other promotions, um, and he stayed undefeated. He was eventually pinned on June the 6th in a dark match against DiBiase at a Superstars taping in Madison, Wisconsin. Now, Rhodes made his in-ring debut in WWF on August 13th of 1989 on Wrestling Challenge when he got the win against Greg the Hammer Valentine after his opponent was distracted by rugged Ronnie Garvin. Um, I'm trying to see here. He was there from 89 to 91. Um, I'm trying to see what his final match was. Here we go. Uh, bah, 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 bah. Unlike last year's Royal Rumble results, this year was far different. DiBiase then end up teaming up with Rhythm and Blues with a mystery partner later to be turned out to be The Undertaker, which was, I'm sorry, the Survivor Series. The future Hall of Famer would uh, dispatch 
and pin Dusty Rhodes. Ted DiBiase ultimately winning and was the sole survivor of that year's Survivor Series, which was 1990. Around this time in the fall, Dusty Rhodes received an offer to return to WCW as its head booker. He now began to lose weight regularly, falling again as he was beating Ted DiBiase in house shows, and that's where all he was booked on. He lost to Rick Martel, um, and then subsequently ended up leaving and going back to WCW. He got turned into a jobber. He did. Basically. His conclusion feud was with Ted DiBiase again, and the 1991 Royal Rumble, where Dusty teamed with his son Dustin Rhodes uh, against Virgil and the Million Dollar Man. Uh, the Rhodes family was defeated in a match that saw Virgil turn face. Afterwards, this would mark the end of Dusty Rhodes' career as a full-time in-ring competitor. So for a lot of people saying, well, Dusty Rhodes wrestled, he did, but in 1991, that's when he officially ended it. Uh, he ended up returning to World Championship Wrestling and became the head booker there as well. He also made appearances in ECW as well between 1991 and 2001. Um, it, it is a shame that Dusty, at this time, was made to look that way. Now, if we were to look at things different... Vince says, I never want to use a gimmick that was already used in a prior company. Nowadays, that doesn't really seem to be as important because a lot of wrestlers are branded a certain way, right? They have their own brand. They have their own marketing, which once again, that's because of social media now. Mm -hmm. We live in a different era. But he should have stayed Dusty Rhodes, which was in the NWA and in WCW, the man who wrestled Flair and Steamboat, and Harley Race, and it really should have been more of that version of him, the black trunks and the uh, cowboy boot um, wrestling boots. But It would have helped everybody. It, it would have. I, I mean, look at it from this perspective. Look what happened to Harley Race. Harley Race comes into cartoon WWF, and he just was a bumping machine. Never really, he never really got into a, a championship picture with anybody. And you got to think that's a guy who Harley Race at one point in time was looking as one of the toughest dudes in wrestling, just mean. And then he basically just turned into this gimmick guy in WWF. But yep. so be it. Um, the next one they were talking about is let me scroll down here. Uh, Roddy Piper taking on Mr. T, but then nothing happened with it. And then. Roddy Piper goes right back and starts feuding with Hulk Hogan. So why did we have such an issue or what happened with Piper and Mr. T? Let's find out. Roddy Piper is one of the greatest heels of the golden era, arguably the greatest in the WWE history, some may say. WrestleMania 2 featured Piper playing off various characters, such as Cowboy Bob Orton again, Take on Hulk Hogan and Mr. T in the very first main event of WrestleMania. WWE booked a boxing match also between Piper and Mr. T. That ended up turning into a joke very quickly. Um, okay. Piper's not a boxer. He did. He was I a guess, golden gloves. Boxer. Golden gloves, yes. But Mr. T played Clubber Lang, and that's a fake boxer. Granted, these are worked matches, so there's got to be some choreographer that could come in there and work with him. But he wasn't a boxer. 
He didn't look sure like a boxer. That? Didn't he fight in tough man contests? Tough man and pro boxing are different things. True. I mean, that's brawling. I mean, that's let me. I'll look that up real quick. But let me ask you this. I mean, what did you think about that? So WrestleMania, they had Booker T. Or Booker T. <laughs> Booker T. Yeah, he's been around for a while. Mister T. Roddy Piper, and then they ended up running it back again and doing Hogan, Mister T versus Roddy Piper and Paul Orndorff because they were trying to market the concept of there's still some blood between them. But then that really ended, and then Piper and Hogan went back to feuding again. So it was like, what? Well, why did we have this really small little iteration of these four men coming together if it was never really gonna gonna go anywhere? Mr. T, that's why. So they it wanted was- to get the mainstream attention. Because you got to remember, Mr. T was huge. Oh, my gosh. In the 80s? I mean, he was a big deal with the A-team and all that stuff. Yes. So that's what it was. They were trying to get a little mainstream attention, trying to make it somewhat legit. No, legit in quotation marks here. You know, and that's how you do it. You know, he was coming off of playing Clubber Lang. So it makes sense to have a boxing role. No, Roddy did box. Never boxed pro, but still, if you're boxing golden gloves, you're damn good. Yeah. You're you're a good boxer. Mr. T, like I said, I'm pretty sure he did tough man contests. Even if he didn't, he had to take some boxing training to to play clubber line. So he might have had your very rudimentary basics, but he had enough to make it seem semi-legit you know so they were they were just trying to use him to gain more mainstream attention they really had no idea where to go with it he was just they're using him as a cash grab basically we have no idea what we're doing but we'll put his name on something let's be honest back then you could have put mr t's name on anything oh it would have sold and sold a million of them yep made no difference mr t coloring books Million of them sold first week. It was it was just that big, so they're just trying to ride off of that. I think uh, what they could have done better or changed. There's only so far you can really go with that. Mister yeah. T wasn't a wrestler. Where, yeah. what was going to be the ceiling to that? The boxing match probably should have been the end. And all it should have been the blow off. Yeah. So, so. Um, Mr. T went to Dunbar Vocational High School where he played football. He wrestled uh, amateurly, and he was also into martial arts. While he was there, um, he became a citywide wrestling champion two years in a row. Keep in mind, this is high school. He also won a football scholarship to Prairie View A&M University, where he majored in mathematics. Good for him. Jeez. However, he was expelled after his first year. He left Prairie View A&M and worked as a gym instructor for a government program in the Chicago area. He later said that he discovered his gift for helping children. He then enlisted in the United States Army in 1975 and served in the military police corps. After his discharge in the late 1970s, he tried out for the Green Bay Packers in the NFL but failed to make the team due to a knee injury. He then worked as a bouncer at the Rush Street Club called Dingbats It was also where he created the Mr. T persona by wearing gold chains around his neck. As a result, customers would become along. They would leave him alone and not start trouble in the nightclub. 
Uh, he would also get people banned from them without any confrontation whatsoever. He eventually parlayed this job as a bouncer and a personality into a career as being a bodyguard for nearly 10 years. And then as his reputation grew as Mr. T now, he then uh, contacted the guard and he started getting other things going for him. He ended up getting clothes that looked like his in the army, continued to wear the gold jewelry. He actually went ahead and took some acting lessons as well. So, so many things that were interesting about Mr. T. So I did not know that that was the, uh, that was the case. But he created this, he created this persona of Mr. T. But good for him. I mean, he got the money, he got... He got paid, but yeah, I don't actually understand where the direction was. But once again, it was probably just a money grab. It was a Mr. T's hot right now. The A-team is hot right now. Let's just kind of go. I mean, the Zeus thing. That was the dumbest thing. No Holds Barred was my first wrestling movie that I remember watching. And I don't know why they tried to parlay that into like SummerSlam. But once again, Tiny Lister was an imposing dude. And I don't know what, what did end up happening with the box office, if it was a big success or not. But um, I don't know. Did you, was that your first wrestling movie that you remember? Or were you remembering, was there something before that that you remember? Uh, that's the first one I can remember. You got to think I was 10 when this came out. It came out in 89. And, and just so you know, it got a 4.4 4 out of 10 on the IMDb. Oh, yeah, because it was such a great fucking movie. I mean, yeah. Uh, the box office, apparently it did 16 mil. Ooh. Their budget was 8 mil. Again, not good. Yeah, not good. Um, If you'd like to go ahead and check the rest of these out, I'm not going to go through the entire list, but... Uh... It's it's very interesting. So they talk about Jake Roberts getting revenge on Ravishing Rick Rude. Would that have been rebooked differently? Zeus's debut, uh, aligning himself with Andre the Giant, and then obviously having some issues with Randy Savage. Sure, Martel, uh, the love triangle she had with the Rockers, that is on here as well. Sid Justice portraying Hulk Hogan, and Sergeant Slaughter, the anti-American, turning heel, winning the WWF Championship Ooh. against the Ultimate Warrior. And uh, Virgil uh, going after Ted DiBiase, the heel reunion versus Roddy Piper as well. And finally, Hulk Hogan versus Ric Flair, the big main event pay-per-view that never happened. So I don't know if you'd heard this, but it was supposed to be Flair and Hogan at WrestleMania 8. But that didn't end up happening. It became Hogan and Sid... And Flair and Macho, which I still I don't know. The Flair and Macho had a great match, but um, what happened there for Hogan and Flair? I don't know what had. Well, I think one of the reasons why Hogan said that they had done matches uh, against each other all over. Uh, they did Madison Square Garden. They wrestled each other a lot, and I think Vince basically said, "We're not making too much money off of this right now. Why am I going to make this a WrestleMania main event?" when I can definitely put you in there with somebody else and basically Hogan could shine more because he just didn't think it was a big box box office attraction. Wow. So be it. Well, Interesting. Not sure um, I agree with that, but 
No, I'm with you That's as well. Just me. Give me one of your stories as well, sir. One of my stories about what? Well, oh, well, the ones that I sent you? Yes. Okay. Let's, uh, let's get back to the old <laughs> phone here. Is where all of our notes prepared. are. No. <laughs> so, yeah, one was uh, Bobby Roode. Bobby Roode. Let's talk agent. about Bobby Roode. Yeah. Um, what do you think about that? Was um, he really? Well, when's the last time you seen him on TV? Uh, a long time. Or he had some injury issues there for a bit. He's had a good run. Yeah. Maybe not so much in WWE, but his work in TNA was amazing. It really was. Right? Beer He's money. a very good wrestler. He's just sweating at this point, I think. I don't know. Okay, take the injuries away. What do you think really held Bobby Roode back from becoming more? That I couldn't answer, to be quite honest with you. Um, bad writing. He can talk. He can wrestle. He looks like a million bucks. He does. What do you want? I mean, really, like, uh, I'm not being smart here. Like, what are the three things you need as a professional wrestler? Not necessarily need that you want. Um, you want somebody who has a good look. You want somebody who's good on the stick. You want to have somebody who's got a um, a look stick um, that can wrestle decently. Okay. And I think, I mean, other than that, I don't think you really have a whole lot that you need from a from a talent. Okay, Bobby Roode. He's a handsome bastard. Yes, Looks he is. Looks like a million bucks. Yes, he does. He can talk. Yes, he can. And he's a great wrestler. I agree. Where's the problem? The problem right. is I think he just might have gotten mixed in the shuffle. Yes. That's unfortunate what happened. Kind of got a little lost in the shuffle. And injuries started to catch up to him. And he, I don't know. It just kind of went by the wayside. Got lost. He did. And I still think his entrance is one of the best ever. Glorious. Yeah, that so is very good. good. I love it. But, I mean, what do you think of him becoming a producer, agent, whatever you want to call it? I think that's kind of finally accepting the fact that you're no longer going to wrestle anymore. Hmm. I think that's finally the swan song of, okay, I'm not going to be used anymore. So what else can I do? I think he's going to be good at it? You know, that's hard to say because not every good – Star makes a great coach. Mm-hmm. Michael Jordan didn't make a great coach. No. Wayne Gretzky, terrible coach. Not everybody is, just because you're a great athlete and you know the game and you are a cerebral assassin, doesn't mean that you can get your message over to other people. Mm-hmm. And... Maybe Bobby can. I I don't know what's ahead of him, but I hope he does. Yeah, he's got experience at at a minimum. He's got experience that he can help. I agree. Direct people in the right way. I agree. Now, will people listen to him? Does he have the actual knack for it? Who knows? But he's a wealth of knowledge at this point. Mm-hmm. He's wrestled twenty years. 20 plus years at least yeah right so i mean he's been there he's done that he's been that well at least two big organizations we're talking about right now impact or tna whatever it was when he was there and then his wwe he was in nxt 
uh, fairly short. You know, he's been part of some very good stories, more so before his WWE time, but still, he's been a champion. You know, he's traveled the road. He's seen, you would assume, just about everything. Mm-hmm. So he would have the knowledge to pass on to the younger talent, or not even necessarily younger talent. When you're watching from the outside, you're going to see stuff that you're not going to see in the ring. So if he's, you know, you think he's got a half decent mind for it, he's been around long enough, you would think he's caught on. I think he could make a, a decent producer. I definitely worth, definitely worth giving a try. I mean, um, Why not? Uh, who's the guy who used to team with Chad Gable? Jordan. He's a backstage producer now, apparently. He, he, um, is. he still does it or not. And he's doesn't nearly have a whole lot of you know, experience. experience that Bobby Roode has. I'm not Amen. taking nothing away from him, but it's, you know but what it's, I mean. just, it's just a lack of calendar time. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, so there's that one that I, I flipped through and I seen. Um, what else we got here? Wardlow. Let's talk about Wardlow. My God. If there's been two people who've advocated for Wardlow to get more time on screen, it has been you, and then I am a close second. This has been such a, unless this is part of the plan, and if this is part of the plan, then I'm fucking confused because I can't follow it whatsoever. There's no breadcrumbs here, but tell me what's going on with Wardlow. Nothing. That's the problem. (laughs) There's not a damn thing going on with him. Wow. When's the last time he was on TV? If I had to guess, uh, six weeks maybe? Has to be. More than that, I bet you. Yeah. He's gone. You know, when he was with uh, MJF, and then they could have had that blow off. Nope. Dude, that, that would have been the best. That would have been so good. And and they did have a match between them where it was just a squash match. And yeah, that was supposed but... to be when MJF was getting really pissed at Tony Khan about, you know, I'm not going to show up. I'm not going to do this. And I don't know. And Yeah, but that was horseshit. Didn't get handled right. And then the championship, the TNT championship, more horseshit. Mm-hmm. World was a good wrestler. You know, looks good. Built great. Why are you not using them? Now that AEW's got a ton of giants on their roster to use, right? What's the issue here? And when they are using them, it's half-assed. Yeah, I'm. I'm very. I'm very confused because I. I know that when he lost the TNT Championship, he was off of TV. But I thought that after a certain period of time, they would, I don't know, repackage him, but they would bring him back. No. But I didn't get the booking where it was like he won the TNT championship, which was a big deal, and he had it for forever. And then who did he first lose it to? Hobbs. Lost it to Hobbs, and then there was that weird situation where he ended up no i guess it was before that he had the tnt championship and then evidently somebody broke into his car if you remember this his yes. rental car those hobbs yeah. was it not it was hobbs. yes and then hobbs ended up winning the championship and then i guess it was literally like days after that he ended up challenging hobbs again he got it back and once again we're like well you're fucking will hobbs now like at this point in time you screwed over wardlow but don't make it two casualties. You know what I mean? Like at least 
stop what you're doing and leave it with Will Hobbs. And then you screwed Will Hobbs over to go back to Wardlow. And then um, who did Wardlow then lose it to? Was it Christian Cage and uh, what's the face? Uh, I think so. I'm just looking it up here. Uh, what is that guy? Uh, an alien or a dinosaur? Oh, or something? Luchasaurus. Luchasaurus. Well, we've got him. I'm just looking it up here. His first defense of the title was against Orange Cassidy. Uh-huh. Blah, blah. Well, he lost the title to Joe, actually. Samoa Joe, that's right. That's who beat him for the first time. And then his second reign wasn't long. That's the powerhouse Hobbs one. So wait a minute. Luchasaurus. So he, hold on. So he lost it to Samoa Joe. Yep. Samoa Joe then loses it to. No, he won it back from Joe. He beat Joe and got it back. Revolution. Got it. And then that was on March 5th. And then he lost it to Hobbs. And then got it back from Hobbs. Yep, and then he got it right back from Hobbs. So he lost, he got it on the fifth, lost it on March eighth. Jeez. Then he won it back from Hobbs April nineteenth. And then he lost it on June seventeenth. And that's probably the last time we seen him. That is dumb as hell. When was like it? What's the point? I, I have no idea. I'm literally, I don't know why you would give it to him just to take it away, just to give it back, just to take it away. Because it, it devalues your title. Yes. It devalues him. Your talent, absolutely. It devalues Hobbs. Right? Joe is Joe, so I mean, it's irrelevant. Right. Uh, Luchasaurus, whatever. Of the four, Luchasaurus is your your lowest rung, really, not to be a dick, but it's no, true. No, but I, I just think in this day and age, right. like that character is just, I don't know. Yeah. But I mean, Warlow's the type of guy you can, you can build around him. He should be on TV, well, obviously more than, we haven't seen him in six, eight weeks now. He should be getting featured. He's what you want. And it's just like they don't know what to do with him. Yeah. They have no, they're totally lost with him. What's the issue? What do you want him to do? He puts off great matches. Mm-hmm. Right? For a big man like him, he moves something amazing. He does. Right? He's your big unit, your big beast, power bombing dudes. You've got your power moves. You know, he's way better on the mic now than what he used to be. He could still work on that. That is probably his his weak point. But it's not like he's terrible on the mic. I guess I just don't understand the giving it to taking it away, giving it to taking it away. That that like a three day title reign. Why? What what's the point of that? Like I would love to sit down with Tony Khan and just say, Okay, let let's go. We're gonna go over this. Why did this happen? Yeah. It can't, like, there's, so you get me riled up now. You, you can't tell me that makes any sense to anybody in creative. No. It, it, well, I mean, 
They say Jericho and Brian Danielson are part of creative as well, but I got to think that they had nothing to do with that. They could There's not have no, had anything to do with it. No, no way to them. No, no way. They think that's a good idea. No, that makes as much sense as wiping before you poop. That's yes. how dumb that is. Unless you really did need to. No, but still, that's just ridiculous. Well, and here's the, like I said before, it's not just the fact that you've hurt Wardlow. Now you've brought another person to the situation. You've now hurt um, Will Hobbs, who, God darn it, Will Hobbs is young. If you follow me on Twitter, you know the one thing I continue to say, push the young talent, push the young talent. And you fucked over Wardlow, but don't do it to Will Hobbs. Will Hobbs has paid his dues. Will Hobbs deserves to have a better situation than what he is now. And then you take it from him and you give it to Christian. Who's what? 55 and in the dinosaur guy. Luchasaurus. No what one do you do with shit. that? How far can you ride that? That gimmick? I have no idea. It, it's, it's too, it's not like undertaker and Kane. It's not like Bray Wyatt. It's not like the fiend. It's not like Finn Balor and uh, the Demon. This guy literally dresses as a fucking dinosaur. Like, is it your way to try to attract kids? I guess that could be an appeal. I, I don't know. I mean, he, but he's another like, good wrestler. Right. Big man, moves well. He does. But he's stuck with this gimmick that makes it a little hard to get behind him. Well, and you don't even, okay, and here's the other thing. Now you got me half hot. Now you have a situation where Wardlow on paper is the champion, but Christian Cage is carrying the belt around. So you're like, okay, what's going on here? You have to think we watch enough of this wrestling over the years. War, or, uh, the dinosaur man is going to get pissed off at some point with Christian Cage taking all the glory, right? And then yeah. they're going to feud, and then somehow he's going to, be babyface again because originally the thought in the wrestling community was that they were eventually going to bring back um Jack Perry and Luchasaurus together but they seem to be completely sold on keeping Jack Perry as heel and I think this is the best thing that Jack Perry has had so far this is the best the best storytelling for Jack Perry I agree I think, yes I think he needs to stay they need to stay committed and not be so god darn wishy-washy yeah. because that's half the problem. They'll start something and then you'll be like, oh, okay, this is cool. And then it's gone. Uh, perfect example. Insert Swerve Keith Lee. What happened there? A whole bunch of know. nothing. For the love of God, it just doesn't make any sense. But that's wrestling for you. No, it's not wrestling. That's AEW for you. If you think Sorry, you can, Mike. if you think you can figure wrestling out, then all right, let's move on to uh to something else here. Um this is from MSN.com, the title of the article written by I cannot pronounce this Sid Hearth Sakdavia. 
says WWE Hall of Famer is now officially done with AEW, and this is according to Jim Ross. AEW's faithful were hit with a little nostalgia this past week on the show when Tony Khan brought in former WWE Hall of Famer Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. The retired wrestler played the special guest referee for the real-world championship match between CM Punk and Ricky Starks that main invented the episode of Collision. Now, during the end of the bout, Ricky Steamboat broke up a pinfall from Absolute, who end up using the ropes for leverage. The distraction allowed the straight-edge superstar to pick up the, the win with a victory roll. And for the match, Stark vented his frustrations on Steamboat and assaulted him with a belt. Speaking on the Jim Cornette Experience podcast, Cornette asserted that he was unsure if the company would bring back Steamboat ever again in the future. Jim would say, well, I don't know about to be honest, because I mean, it served no purpose. A CM Punk gets a win over Ricky Starks, but settles for nothing. It don't make no goddamn sense. They were in the Carolina steamboat. That was his part of town. That was his audience. I don't know what you do if you try to bring him in again. So there's Jim Cornette. Mm -hmm. Fucking stupid. What do I lower myself? What do I lower myself to doing? Jim Cornette impersonation <laughs> shit. I like some cheeseburger, double cheeseburger, extra cheese ma'am, motherfucker. That's what I want. I'm gonna live long enough so I can piss on Vince Russo's grave. That's right. Mm -hmm. well, I don't really fault him for that. I drink Sprite because Seven Up is the drizzling shits. And I don't even like that AEW Twinkle Toes McFinger Bang. Good God. Fuck. Shit. Ricky Steamboat, why are you going to AEW? Just because it was in the Carolinas. I used to go to the Carolinas for a Dairy Queen. Shit. Right. You done? I'm fucking. I'm finished with that. Um, either way, either way, let's get back to it. Not you done with your nonsense. Let's get back to it, Ricky Steamboat. Why did he show up? I wouldn't even show up. That motherfuckers. Well, it's not like you're gonna run a, a long. No, he's a special guest referee. What yeah, the same fuck as Sabu, Sabu was. Yeah, same, it's same okay. First of all, he was the Sabu thing should never have happened. Okay, I don't disparage. Many people, some I do, but what I will say is, is he said some pretty horrible things. If that really was his Twitter account about Jim Ross, about a lot of people that are currently in AEW, but I think because Tony Khan is such a mark for ECW that he was like, well, we're going to be in Vegas. So let's go ahead and bring him in. He lives in Vegas. They brought RVD in. But what was the point? You So you bring RVD in, I guess, to solidify Jungle Boy as being a heel to boost him up so he had a win over Rob Van Dam, and now it's somehow trying to elevate Jungle Boy. I'm okay with that if you continue to go with that. Here's what I thought was going to happen. Did you see the match, by the way? I did. Very okay, good match. He, here's what I thought. It was. Here's what I thought was going to happen. Once the referee got knocked out by getting hit with that flying chair, by the way, that cell job was just tits. When, when he got hit with that flying chair, I stopped and I laughed. I laughed so hard. Here's what I thought was going to happen. So Jerry Lynn obviously is involved in the storyline and 
originally Jungle Boy calls out Jerry Lynn. Jerry Lynn says, I, I'm not cleared. I can't wrestle. However, if you want to bash EC Dub next week, I have somebody in mind who will wrestle you. Um, comes in uh, Rob Van Dam. Here's what I thought was going to happen. I thought when the ref got knocked out, do you remember when um, Jerry Lynn called himself the new effing show? And that was in ECW. Yep. Well, he became the new reffin show when it was the first all in. I thought Jerry would have had like a referee shirt on come in one, two, three. Rob Van Dam wins. You know what I mean? Jerry Lynn gets to stand over Jungle Boy, who's wearing his attire to mock Jerry. And then Rob Van Dam takes the belt, walks it up to Taz, and officially retires the the uh, fuck the world belt or whatever it's called. That would be cool and that would be fun. Unfortunately, it doesn't help the product. Well, that's, that's the problem. So if your whole goal is to move Jungle Boy as a heel, then you got to be like, well, we got to give him a win over a big ECW person. And realistically, how many ECW people out there can still wrestle? Not many. Um, I mean, there's Tommy Dreamer out there who still wrestles. Bubba Ray Dudley who still wrestles. Um, I just read online where they're going to bring Bubba Ray and Devon back for the 1,000th episode of TNA Impact. I heard that. I heard that's going to happen. That'd be cool. So what do you do? Well, Tommy and Bubba are Impact guys now. Well, then again, there's an there's a there or there was a, a working agreement between them and AEW. So you could have got one of them. I think you still could. Yeah, you probably still could, but, but you so, know what I mean. But okay, so let me ask you this: What do you do with Jungle Boy? I don't know. You got to get behind him. I like this new gimmick. This. He's a heel asshole gimmick. I really like it. The and music. He's, he's good in the ring. Right? Yeah. The music the, the music just doesn't say it should be like a Hollywood thing. You know what I mean? Like director, shh, quiet on the set. Where did I hear that before? Wasn't there a rest that had that shh, quiet on the set? I don't know. Well, I have no idea. But he comes out to that uh symphony music. I think it's like Beethoven's fifth and D minor or something like that. He, he comes out to that, which is like, what? No, I, um, like it. I like his whole, the whole, you like the whole right presentation. Now? I do. I'm enjoying it. He just looks so tiny to me. Is that just me? Well, he's not a big man. No, he's tiny though. Like he, like his, uh, wrestling trunks. It looks like tiny boy undie pants. I mean, Mike, Shit. He's, not, he's not a big dude. It's he's not a big that. dude, motherfucker. Doesn't doesn't eat many cheeseburgers. Shit. What do you want him to do? Get on the gas? I, I'm not saying that because I don't want him to join his father. But um, what what, what is his stats? I don't know. How tall is this goof ass? I don't um, five nine. You think he's five nine? Yeah. Uh, can I find it? No, maybe uh, I can't. Jungle Boy AEW. Here we go. His build height is 5'10, which means 67. Jesus. No, Jack Perry. 
I was going to say, Jesus was ripped. Jesus was a carpenter. Jesus was 6'5", had a sweet-looking beard, flowing locks, a man's man. But Jack Perry, I mean, okay, you say you're not really sure where you go with Jack Perry. Okay, so after he is doing all this, I mean, because he already beat, he already beat Hook. I thought that would be the pinnacle of this whole thing. I thought he would run away from Hook and play the chicken shit heel. And then he would come up with these dastardly ways to beat all these former uh, FTW champions or ECW legends. And then ultimately it would come off as, okay, now the ultimate is going to be he versus Hook. But they went right to he versus Hook. So where do you do with, I mean, how do you interject Hook again? Like, do you know what I mean? It's like, But just to... Everything we're bringing up about AEW right now, and I'm not beating up on them. Right. But do you know what the common denominator is? We don't understand the booking or lack of booking. Or That's what it always seems to boil back to is the booking is not good. But you have Jericho back there with creative. Brian Danielson working in creative. You have other people who are either working in creative or have some level of say so. I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm giving it too much credit. But at the end of the day, who says who says it is what it is? Boss man. So you don't know, right? I guess uh, Tony Khan. I mean, he's the, he's the only guy who signs off on all of it. Right, but but it's, but it's true that. The common denominator of a lot of topics we bring up about AEW. Where are we is going? We yes. don't understand the direction. Booking. Yes. You know, stuff is red hot for a minute and then it's just gone. We're on to something else. Well, it is very reminiscent of. Don't say it. Moving say it? on. We, we already you know where you're going to go with this. Don't say it. Don't say it. WCW. Um, news that just came out today that the merger between WWE and UFC, where they're going to be creating a brand new company, um, who is ultimately going to be owned by Endeavor. And I want to say the new company is, is called TKO. Am I correct in that? Yes. Okay. So there was a new SEC filing that just came out, and they named 10 of the 11 uh, board of directors that's going to be part of this new company when UFC and WWE merge. So I think WWE got five people they could put on the board and UFC got six. Now, why that's the case, I have no I have no idea. So let me tell you who WWE has. Um, let's see. WWE has Vince McMahon, Nick Khan, uh, Stephen R. Coon, or Coonan, and then Nancy R. Tellman. Do we happen to have a name that's being omitted in this process? Yes. Well, there's still, they still have room for one more. They have room for one more. Yes. But the big one that's not on it is Triple H. Time to play the game. Yeah, he's not on there. But now there's also 
Uh, let's see if I can find the article here. According to Fightful News, Triple H is not going to be staying on after the merger. He's not staying with the company? He will no longer serve on the board of directors for WWE after oh. the merger. So do you think at the end of the day he'll still be with the company? I don't know. I ho- I would like for him to. Let him go back to NXT. What happens if he ended up leaving WWE and Tony Khan hired him? And and said you got you have total control, carte blanche. That might be the one that does the old man in. That would might that, that would, might be the straw that broke the camel's back there. Would that not change the landscape completely? It would, but that's a pipe dream. It is, Mike. It's uh, wrestling. I know, there are three but... what are the three words that they say in wrestling? I didn't do it. I didn't do it. That's four. Never mind. Let's try this. Never again. say never. Yes. Maybe. Listen, but listen. This, this is as close end. as a never say never. I don't is. think so. I disagree. I disagree wholeheartedly. And here's the reason why. At the end of the day, Triple H had the opportunity when Vince stepped down and retired, right? And then he came back. And he came back and said, well, uh, let me tell you something. Um, uh, I'm not going to do anything uh, with creative. It's going to be all Paul. I'm just going to sit in the back and look at the divas. And did that ever happen? No. He came back and he started to, I'm coming backstage to meet a few people. John Cena's coming in tonight. So he did that. And then it was, oh, it's going to be in Madison Square Garden. I'm going to go. And then slowly but surely, you started to see him coming back a little bit more consistently. And now he's fully involved, if you believe we're being told, Mm -hmm. making final decisions on everything. Now, that's the only thing he has on his plate. Vince just had surgery done on his back, his spine. So he's going to be laid up for quite a while. And evidently, there's another uh, lawsuit that potentially could be coming out as well. um, About what now? I don't know if it was another sexual misconduct situation. Google that for me real quick. Some type of sexual misconduct type of deal is is, is looming over Vince McMahon again. And uh, I'm really curious to know how far this is going to go. We're working on it here. I don't think it's really going to go anywhere, to be honest with you. I think like a lot of these things, not to say that he didn't do something wrong, but I, I honestly feel like it's probably something that's going to get settled out of court, and um, that'll be that. But I, I, I am very, very interested. I mean, I literally sat here today and thought, could there be anything that could actually jeopardize the deal from finally going through with creating this new company? Do you think it's a foregone conclusion, or do you think there's some skeletons or something could spook Endeavor and say the deal's off? No, nothing's going to spook them. So this, this is the lawsuit, and it's dumb. Let's hear it. According to PW Insider, reports that both Vince McMahon and WWE have been hit with a lawsuit from one Dana W. Miley, who is alleging breach of contract against promotion, as well as a failure to reimburse a down payment of. 
$5,500 for a fan meetup with Alexa Bliss. Incorrectly named Alexa Bliss. Alexia Bliss, sorry, in the lawsuit. Miley further accuses Vince of breaching an agreement between the two sides, which Miley claims would have seen him become a breacher contract. Become a WWE employee at a hefty $70,000 a month salary. Holy shit. 70 grand a month? A month. There's a lot of things I do for 70 grand a month. Most of them you can't talk about. I cannot. Uh, the lawsuit, lawsuit, which was written by hand, and <laughs> has seen no defendant served at this time, Good further Lord. accuses McMahon and WWE of prejudice against Miley after he was arrested in October of 22 for attempted homicide and aggravated assault. Okay. Miley appears to claim that his phone and property were unlawfully seized during the arrest, which also alleged, which he is also alleging a conspiracy theory plot to obstruct and destroy any evidence supporting these facts that WWE employee Alexa Bliss email, text, or any communication to him. That didn't sound right, but that's how they worded it. Anyway, the guy's wackadoodles. <laughs> All right. He believes in aliens, too, I bet. Anyway, this lawsuit is fooey. You've gone too far now. Story of my life. Mm-hmm. Fooey. Um, okay, so maybe that necessarily isn't going to jeopardize it, but... You think? Triple H... Do you think he loves the business enough to still be under the thumb of Vince McMahon once this merger goes through? It's not a matter of being under the thumb of old Vinnie Mac. He's he's a company man. Like he Triple H is a company man. I he would just pack it in and be done before he went to AEW, I think. Oh, I think he could do something to get pissed. I think he could get pissed. Well, we can all get pissed, Mike, but I don't know, but I, I can't see that happen. If, anything, if that happened, yes, then we got the Monday Night Wars again. No, 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 it's over. I no. think it's over at that point. I think it is over. Yeah, if, if you give if you give Triple H the creative you know forefront to to determine whatever goes on inside that ring on that microphone. Yeah, you just took the head of WWE's creative. This is not Vince Russo and Ed Ferrara. Barbecue, barbecue, barbecue. That was terrible, just for record. That was so bad. Like, Jesus, I can't believe they did that. I can't believe they did it either. But, uh, nah. Listen, bro, bro. Swerve. I'm telling you, bro. Yeah, yeah. Shit, it's a fucking swerve, motherfucker. You can't see it. No, that's John Cena. Okay. I just think it's it's interesting to see the dichotomy the way that family is going to implode even more. That family's so messed up. Anyway. um, What else you got? Um, I think I have one more here. I didn't have a lot, unfortunately. 
It didn't do oh, a lot of pre-production. Nope. Story of my life. Uh-huh. Oh, here's one we'll throw out there. Who is the best champion in wrestling right now? Oh, wow. Yeah. It's, um, it was posted on Twitter by Cultaholic Wrestling. It was just a, you know, getting everybody's opinion. Who do you think it is right now? That's a really good question. That's a damn good question. The best champion. Okay, so let's 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 start talking about him. Um, Gunther is the Intercontinental Champion. Pretty damn impressive. What what's your your guideline for best? Best in uh-huh. ring? Is it most entertaining? Is it the whole kit and caboodle? Where are we going? I think it has to be. I think good matches and a solid worker need to be considered. Um, yeah, just who's putting on the best fucking matches. That's what I think. Okay. Um, let, let's kind of go through these here. Gunther, Intercontinental. He has to be towards the top of that list. He's very good at what he does. Very good at what he does. Um, he's brought a lot more relevancy to the Intercontinental Championship than it's seen in a long time. Um, then you have what well, you want to talk about storylines that makes no sense. Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. Yeah, that's dumb. That is officially wasted, fallen off the edge of the earth. Yeah. Um. So I'm not really putting them into that category. Um. Champions. So who's the current women's Raw champion? It's not Bianca Belair. She had. Who is yes, it? This she just won it. She won it, but then she lost it again. Oh, to Io Sky. Io Sky. Um, and then who is the SmackDown champion? I don't know. Come on, you know these things. No, I don't. But you are a does. big. You are a big SmackDown fan. Who are the champions? Oops. I'm working on it. Come on, bud. I'm, I'm... <laughs> okay, I am not what you would call tech savvy. Okay, so calm your tits. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I can't breathe. So you have EO Sky and then you have Rhea Ripley. Rhea Ripley, there you go. Rhea Ripley. Um, okay, so EO <laughs> calm your tits. Calm your tits. Shit. Uh EO, I'm sorry, I'm just gonna keep doing that. I don't know why. Uh EO Sky, I think she's all right. I don't necessarily think I'd say she's putting on great matches. Uh, I think Rhea Ripley is is doing really well. Um, what about Seth? Seth? Seth is Seth is one of those guys who Seth may be the guy right now as far as champions. Um, I would not put Roman in that category. So from WWE, I'd say Seth or Gunther. Or did I call him Walter? I might have called him Walter. Well, same difference between those two. I do not think highly of Austin Theory. Um, for Carmelo women, Hayes, Carmelo's pretty, pretty damn good right now. I mean, really, I would not put Dominic Mysterio in. I think that's stupid. No. Um, gosh, so if you had to pick, Carmelo Hayes, Gunther, Seth Rollins, I'd have me. I'm going Seth. I'm going to go Seth Rollins too. Seth Rollins. So that's that's WWE. Yes. No, AEW. Their their best champion. People may not agree with this. I'm going to say Orange Cassidy. 
I mean, okay, so you have Orange Cassidy. The tag team champions are FTR. I mean, they they put on some freaking amazing matches. Uh, you have the House of Black with the trios championships. And then as far as the women's champion is, um, it's now Karushita. And Statlander. See, here's the funny thing about Chris Statlander. I always was like on Statlander's bandwagon before before she became champion. I was like, oh, stat, stat, stat. And then when she won it, I, I don't know. I feel like I have certain expectations when someone's the champion. I, I feel like I need to see them a lot. And I need to see them on different shows, not just one. But I, I guess she's going to be a collision girl. So I guess that's just the way it is. Um, You got a FTW champion. I don't know if that's a real champion. No, that's, that's horseshit. That's, okay. yeah. Then you got the NXT, or sorry, TNT champion. That's horseshit. That's yeah. horseshit. You got, you, so you, you got, got MJF. I like MJF. I think when he does wrestle, he does a, a phenomenal job. He really does. But if I'm going to go with the best champion now in AEW, it's hard to go against FTR. But then again, Orange Cassidy has wrestled his sack off for months. 302 days. That's a long time. Mm-hmm. So who would you go with? I mean, are we are we agreeing uh, that we're going to nail it down to FTR and Orange Cassidy? Who's having the best matches? Because, I mean, FTR had a great match with, um, with the Bullet I'm Club. I'm going Gold. FTR. Yeah. I would go FTR over Orange Cassidy. That's fair. I mean, not that Orange Cassidy is a bad pick by no stretch of the imagination. Right. I would just be more inclined to go with FTR. So are we going to look into like Impact? Let's look at Impact. Let's see what we got for Impact here. Well, I will tell you this when it comes to Impact. Now that Josh Alexander's back, I don't think it's long before he becomes champion, to be honest with you. I think that's definitely Then we're cooking with gas. That's right. Is that good? He's so the current champions, Alex Shelley. Yeah. Leo Rush. No. No. Kenny King. He's not bad. Uh, their tag is subculture. Subculture is good. They FTR good? No, I don't think they're FTR good, no. Right. Uh, Impacts. Trinity. Trinity's very good. Yeah, but I really like Deanna Peranza a lot. I thought she wrestled. She was a really good champion. Absolutely. And uh, Knockouts tag. Killer Kelly and Misha Slamovich. Well, Masa Slamovich is somebody who she should be in WWE. Probably. She's freaking amazing. I mean, she's really good. So, so let's uh, look at Ring of Honor. Well, you got Claudio Castagnoli as the world champion. You got Samoa Joe as the TV champ. You have, um, oh my gosh, Athena as the women's champion. And you have, uh, is it Aussie Open as the tag champions? I don't know. I haven't got it opened up yet. Well, you should open and see. I'm if working I'm... on it. So, yeah, we got Claudio uh-huh. and then Joe, the pure champion. Oh, oh, Shibata. Shibata, yeah. Aussie Open for the tags. Athena. And the sixth man is 
Mogul Embassy. Which here's the thing with Mogul Embassy. I will tell you this: there are aspects of the Mogul Embassy I like. Um, I think they need to be in AEW Tag Champions, or not champions, but in the tag division. I think they're that freaking good. Really? I mean, they got Brian Cage hanging around him now. I mean, Brian Cage is now putting face paint on. Yeah, it's different. It's it's it is different. It's a little weird, mm-hmm. but. So, out of all of them, if we were literally going to put them all, so for WWE, we're putting in Seth Rollins, we're putting in Rhea Ripley, and we're putting in, what, Gunther? So those three are in there right there. Okay. Then we're going to put... NXT, so I think that's pretty cut. Oh, nice. that's right, Carmelo I'm Hayes. From there. Yes, Carmelo yeah, Hayes. Then, from AEW... I'm going FTR. FT, okay, so we're not even going to throw Orange in there, so just no, FTR. Th- no, no, that's my take. Okay. If, you, if you're Orange Cassidy, from this, from my opinion, I would put in FTR would be my pick for me. Okay, and then finally um, for Impact Wrestling, Alex Shelley. Well, it's not going to be Leo Rush. That's for damn well sure. No, I agree because Leo Rush has retired and come back more times than Brett Favre. Um, subculture, no, no, I'll go with Masha Slamovich, Killer Kelly, and Masha Slamovich. I could just go with Masha. She's a a champion. Oh, fair. I I don't have to, yeah, I don't have to have both people. Um, I'll go with I'll go with Alex Shelley, and then we got Ring of Honor. It's hard to go against Claudio, but I mean, Samoa Joe is putting on some just awesome matches. I was thinking Athena. Athena is freaking amazing, too. Athena should have a match at Wembley. She absolutely should have a match. So, okay, so now we're down to Athena, Masha, Alex Shelley, uh-huh. Orange Cassidy, uh-huh. FTR, uh-huh. Carmelo Hayes. I think you have to drop Masha. Okay. So we'll take Masha out. Who we got left? Four? Well, we've got about eight left. Take out Alex Shelley? Yeah. Okay, so now we're Ring of Honor. I'm going Athena. You're going Claudio? Still? Uh, Yeah, I'll go with Claudio still. Okay. AEW? I got FTR. You got Orange? Mm-hmm. NXT? Carmelo Hayes? Okay, so think about it from this perspective. If AEW's got the tag team, right, and so you're going to have a singles versus singles. So let's say you have Carmelo Hayes versus Orange Cassidy. I'm going orange, man. I'm still going orange. I I go orange on that. I'll give it that. So then we're down to Seth, Rhea, and Gunther. Let's narrow it down to one from WWE. Who are we going with? Gosh, because I really am high on Gunther. But I think you're going to have to... <sighs> See, I don't know if I'm in love with the way Rhea Ripley is portraying her character. Nope. Because she's great at her character. Great. She is what a lot of people say, that she'll be bigger and more successful than what China was. But then again, I don't really like comparing generations versus generations. I mean, because that's not fair. It's, it's if impossible I had to... to do. It is impossible. It's, it's. I would have to take out Rhea Ripley. 
Okay, so Seth and Gunther. I'd have to take Gunther out. It's a tough one. I mean, I I picked Seth. A just so we don't agree on it, so we have something to go back and forth on. But Gunther's not a bad pick, though. It's not. Uh, I'm not saying it's a bad pick. That's no, a great pick because I picked it. So. I agree. So then NXT, we still got Carmelo Hayes, but are you going to have him in the same as Seth? No, 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 no. Right, so Seth would still be the top of the heap. You know, it'd be a damn good match because I think Seth would make it really good. It would be Seth versus Orange Cassidy. All oh, kidding aside. Fantastic. That would be entertaining and fun and wow. Yeah, so now we're AEW, FTR, and Orange Cassidy. I'll concede so on this one. I'll, I'll jump on the Orange Cassidy bandwagon with you. FTR just had a banger match, and they had a, another great match. They defended the t- tag titles against um, MJF and Adam Cole, which I think that made sense to keep the belts off of them. It just did, because you're trying to build up some animosity. So, Best champion. God, FTR just has great tag matches. But can, can we see who Orange Cassidy has wrestled recently? Can we see what his record is? I think if we go to cage fight. Or cage match, I'm gonna say. Let me see if we can find Cassie cage match. Where do they list his matches, Mike? It should be when you pull up cage match. I think it's cage match. The site come up for you. Okay, you should be able to have a box where you type in. Um, there should be a search box. There's a search box. Well, here we go. I got it. Okay. You can type so, in. Do they have dates on this? Oh, here we go. Yeah. So he just had a match against Johnny. He just beat Johnny TV. Oh, uh, yeah. AR Fox. Uh, that match was actually really good. Very good. Air Fox is underrated. Yes, he is. Uh, beat Lance Archer. Uh, that's pretty good in my opinion. Um, him and Darby lost to Garcia and Sammy Guevara. That okay. doesn't count as that match. Mm-hmm. Let's look for individual matches. He had a four-way with Garcia, Shibata, and Sabre Jr. He won that one. That was awesome because Shibata and Zack Sabre Jr. are amazing talent. Absolutely. Uh, he beat Sora Strickland. That's a big That's a big dub. He won a Blackjack Battle Royal. Okay. He beat Kyle Fletcher. Kyle Fletcher's no, uh, no slouch. Some more tag matches. Beat Daniel Garcia. Okay, that's a quality win. Bandito. That's a quality win. Gabriel Kidd. Mm. Buddy Matthews. That's a quality win. Drillistico. Um, uh, not really. The Butcher. Not really. Jeff Jarrett. Not really. Jay Lethal. Mid card. Big Bill. Mid. 
Wheeler Yuta. God, he looks like he's 12 with bad facial hair. Look at he that does. kid. God, his facial hair is oh, so God. thick and bushy. It's just like he's more angry. I can't help it. He doesn't look serious. No. <laughs> Lee Moriarty, Jay Lethal, Kip Sabian, Trent Beretta. So, I mean, he's beat a lot of people. Yeah, but has it been like a, like, it wasn't like a hangman Adam Page, and it wasn't like. No, but he's a mid card champion. He's a he, dominant mid card champion. He is. Um, so let look up FTR their last matches. I, I, I'm switching my vote. I'm going FTR. Really? I like Orange. Yeah. And here I am going the other way. Oh, I always knew that about you. I'm gonna. I was supposed to say I'm gonna punch you in the face, but you're too far away. So. Okay, FTR. What we got here? Big Bill and Brian Cage. No. Adam Cole, MJF. Yep. Bullet Club Gold. Yeah, that's yes. a great one. Uh, they lost to Bullet Club. Bullet. Try it again. Bullet Club Gold. Okay. Um. Then they lost a four-way. Uh, they beat Bullet Club. Bullet Club Gold. Okay. Uh, what do we got here? They beat Jay Lethal and Jeff Jarrett. Meh. Nah. They beat the Guns. Mm. It's uh, a little more. Nah, but uh, eight man doesn't matter. Then they beat the Guns. Then they lost to oh my god, Hiroki Goto and Yoshihashi. Okay. In IWGP, they lost to Dragon Lee and Drillistico. Wow. They lost to the Guns. They lost to the Briscoes. We're going Orange Cassidy. They lost to the Acclaim. We're going to the, yeah, we're, we're, we're going, yeah. You get where I'm going with this, so. Yeah. All right, so we got Orange Cassidy, and then who do we got left? Orange Cassidy, Seth Rollins is left. Orange Cassidy, Seth Rollins, Athena, Claudio. Okay. I'm going to have to take Claudio out. Okay. And now we have Athena. Dude, she has banger matches. I am not lying to you. There isn't a bad match. Nope. Ever since she turned heel, well... I don't know if I could really say she turned heel, but she really became more vicious, and I friggin' love it. And I don't know right now if there's somebody on the AEW women's roster that is as intense as she is. She is significantly better than when she was, what was she, Ember Moon. Uh-huh. And she was very good then. But what she the hell is Ember? A, I don't know. She seems to have a different gear since she's gone. She does. Since she's been over to uh, Ring of Honor, uh-huh. she's she's mean now. She is fantastic. So, yeah. So we got Athena, Orange Cassidy, and Seth. Oh, just I don't know. You can't get this wrong. Go to go to oh, crap. Go to Seth Rollins matches. Let's see what Seth has had recently. What is his? Uh... What does his resume recently look like? I checked that out too. I'm going to pull that up on my side. 
Buffalo, Iowa, he's from. How about that? You ever seen a buffalo in, in like person? Yes. Huge? Massive. Wow. All right. Let me go to matches. Matches, here we go. Okay. Um, on July the 8th, Cody Rhodes, Seth Rollins versus Shinsuke Nakamura. They defeated the Judgment Day. Okay. World Heavyweight Championship uh, on... It? I hate when they do the date this way. The 5th of May of 2023, I guess. Seth Rollins defeats Finn Balor. Uh, Seth Rollins defeats... It's the Finn 5th of August, Mike. It's I'm day, sorry. month, year. Day, month, year. Okay, August. My bad, August. Uh, Sami Zayn and Seth Rollins defeat the Judgment Day. Seth Rollins defeats Finn Balor. In July, Seth defeats Finn Balor. These are all on house shows. Yeah. Um, let me go down to a Raw Judgment Day. Damian Priest and Dominic Mysterio and Finn Balor. That doesn't count. Seth Rollins defeats Dominic Mysterio. That doesn't count. Those are house shows. Uh, Seth Rollins defeats Braun Breaker. By the way, is, what, what are we going to think about Braun Breaker? We'll have to talk about him at some point because I'm really curious. Seth Rollins defeats Damian Priest. Okay. Seth Rollins defeats The Miz. Um, what do you think? Uh, I mean, Warren if you, Cassidy's beaten better talent than Seth Rollins is. Okay, so do we go Orange Cassidy over Seth? Yes. Okay, so now it's Orange Cassidy and Athena. Orange Cassidy. There you go. Orange Cassidy is your right now your best wrestler, your best champion right now in pro wrestling. But any of these last three we just talked about, they're great. You could say they are the one, and yes, you're not wrong. Yes. Right. So there's, there's a lot of good talent out there right now. A lot of great champions. Yes, I agree. Um, not so much, but for the most part, there's a lot of great champions coming on the pipe. Um, we're on the heels of SummerSlam. What did you think of SummerSlam, by the way? I didn't see the whole card. I see most of it. It wasn't bad. Uh, of course, not. I'm thinking about nothing pops into my head. I I haven't seen the Ricochet Paul match. That was the that first makes thing me sad. Uh, the Brock and Cody match. Yeah, was top shelf. A lot of people are saying that. A lot of people are saying that that was a career-defining match for Cody Rhodes was Brock Lesnar. And then, allegedly, depending on what you want to believe, Brock Lesnar went off script and, and really kind of gave him the endorsement by by pulling his hand up and, and going to all corners of the ring and really giving the man his just dues. And well, they're saying Brock's taking some time away. Going to be done in the next three or four months. Well, that's not – Brock could leave for 10 years, and that's about the schedule for Brock. Yeah, well, it's coming in hunting season. This is true. The man knows his priorities. Um, so yeah, I'd take four months off work to go hunting too, if I could. He's got he's got way way too much money to be dicking around with wrestling. I'm sorry, yeah. unless he likes it that much. 
Well, even if he doesn't like, they keep throwing out. Hey, we'll give you a million and a half. Show yeah, up but, next week, okay? Yeah, but we talked. We talked about this before, though. I mean, at what point is enough enough? Yeah, I know. But as still, far as money, for somebody dangles it in front of you, though. Well, I've had a lot of things dangled in front of me, and I, I've said no before. I have my values. Not what I heard. That's nor here nor there. Um. So, as far as SummerSlam is concerned, some people were panning SummerSlam, to be honest with you. Some people were saying that there was a couple of high spots, but overall, they were giving it about uh, a thumbs in the middle, uh, Wrestling Observer. So, obviously, Roman Reigns is going to defeat Jay Uso. Um, his brother came in and interfered with that, so now we don't know what the hell's going to happen with those guys. I thought Poor that was at this point. Well, I'm so done with this. I think this is so played out. But what they're telling us right now is that we're not even at, we're in the third inning of a nine-inning baseball game with this storyline. They're going to ruin this storyline if they continue to water it down. Somebody going to go another three years? Six I, years? Asuka versus Bianca Blair versus Charlotte. That was an interesting match. That was a good match. Um, EO cashes in money in the bank contract. She becomes champion. Finn Balor. Versus Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins ended up winning that match. What did you think about that one? That was very good. Uh, pre, I don't, I didn't quite understand the Damian Priest bit. Right. It, it didn't. Well, Damian Priest. Damian Priest has the uh, the Money in the Bank uh, briefcase. Well, yeah, I, under, I understand he does, but I just didn't. I didn't understand him at ringside. I just didn't. Well, he's also part of Judgment Day, and yeah, but I, I don't know. I just didn't get it. It was a good match. Wouldn't be, oh. wouldn't the best match I've seen on the card, but it was a good match. Seth Rollins always has a good match. He does have good If matches. he doesn't have a good match, we're shocked. Well, you also got to take into consideration that you're going to be breaking up the Judgment Day at some point in time, and how interesting would it be from a storyline perspective if Finn Balor had won that match, but it was just a grueling match, and then all of a sudden, you know, Damien Priest hands the briefcase to the ref real quiet-like and tells him to ring the bell. He goes over to console him. And then hits him with the uh, the priest edge or whatever the hell it was, and then pins him. I think that would be really interesting. And then they could be off to the races with that feud. That could be good. That um, like that. MMA rules match: Ronda Rousey, Shayna Baszler. What were your thoughts? Uh, try not to think about it. It was bad. Shayna Baszler wins that match, and, and from all indications, it looks like Ronda Rousey is done with WWE. But we haven't gotten. Uh, 100% confirmation on that. SummerSlam Battle Royal was won by LA, LA Knight. Um, Brock Lesnar takes on Cody Rhodes. Cody Rhodes ends up winning that match. Logan Paul, do you mean to tell you what happens? Sure. Let's hear it. He defeats Ricochet in a big win for Logan Paul. So, very interesting. Very interesting. How was the match, though? I thought the match was excellent. Logan Paul has really dedicated himself to seriously kicking some ass in wrestling. And I think he's he's going to be good for a very, very long time. If he if this is really what he wants to do, I think he's going to be super, super good. Um, I want to switch my gears here before we get too late with the show about, uh, about All In. Um, it had been a while since, not that we had talked about All In, but I think it was interesting that there were no matches that were announced and the show was already sold and it was already doing amazing. And so what bully Ray was trying to say was why not make every match a surprise for everyone? 
there is no card. But yet Tony Khan has it has it booked out. So everyone's literally just waiting for the next match to come on. That would have been genius. I love that. No card. No. Welcome to All In. There was never a match announced. You want to come out and say there's going to be six matches. Or there's going to be eight matches. You, you got to give something. But that's it. I agree. That would have been amazing. That would have been so exciting because literally you'd be on. It would be like the Royal Rumble. When the clock kicks down to zero, you're like, well, who's coming out? That would have been awesome. That would have been. That would have been. Actually, I actually like that. So I agree. Somebody I needs to do that. Don't announce nothing. Just have the, have the event. Right. We'll have pay-per-view next month. Come watch it. Order it. We're going to have this many matches. We're not telling you nothing else. That'd be I'd huge. Be for it. It'd be fun. So first off, um, right now we have five matches. Well, we actually have four matches, and then we have what they call the zero hour, which is, if you remember back in WWF, they used to have the free-for-all. Okay. used to be on the TV Guide channel. Um, so Aussie Open, which is Mark Davis and Kyle Fletcher, are going to be taking on Better Than You, Bebe, MJF, and Adam Cole. So yes, they will both be wrestling twice in one night. That'll be for the Ring of Honor World Tag Team Championships. Then FTR, Dax, and Cash are going to be taking on the Young Bucks in a championship match. This will be the, the rubber match of them uh, working with each other in AEW. Akara Shida, Tony Storm, Soraya versus one other person in a four-way dance for the AEW Women's Championship. Sting and Darby Allen versus Mogul Embassy, uh, which is AR Fox and Swerve Strickland with Prince Nana. I think that is dumb as shit. And it's going to be a tag team coffin match. And then MJF, finally, Adam Cole are going to be part of the um, the main event. So, from what they've announced so far. Right. It's pretty damn good. I minus, like... Minus your double coffin match. The double coffin match, if that's really what's going to happen, I think this is dumb as hell. Um, we Obviously, the thing that's interesting to me is... You know, Tony Storm, Hikaru Shida, Anna Jay, Soraya, Sky Blue, Dr. Britt Baker, and the Bunny. So, without getting any giveaways here, so right now you have Tony Storm, Hikaru Shida. So, Tony Storm gets a buy. She gets to get in because she's the, the former champion. Hikaru Shida gets in because she's the champion. Soraya gets in because she defeated Sky Blue. So, now you either have Dr. Britt Baker or the Bunny. You have to believe it's going to be Dr. Britt Baker. It's not going to be the Bunny. No, so you have Tony Storm, Hikaru Shida, Soraya, and Dr. Britt Baker. And you know who's going to win that match to, to be the new champion? Soraya. Absolutely. Are you kidding me? That's going to be the biggest pop in Wembley Stadium. They biggest. have to because That's her it. home, yes. Is it the right decision, though? That's a, that's a short-term answer. Um, well, did you really think Tony Storm was going to be a long-term answer? I mean, we are we all were talking about the reason Tony Storm is the champion is because Jamie Hader got injured. If not, it would have been Jamie Hader, and Jamie Hader is from Great Britain, so that would have been perfect to have her in there. What's her return timeline? Anything been said? I don't know off the top of my head. I'm going to have to look that up. You know, it would be great though. After Soraya wins, you have uh, Jamie Hader come out. They go face to face for. 
All Out, which is a month later. So that I, I can that I can get behind. If you're going to put the belt on Soraya, have it something short term. Her and Hater go at it a month later, and Hater gets the belt. I can deal with that. Um. So also to give you an idea of what we're looking at here for all in. And I am literally going to be happier than a pig and shit if that becomes the biggest wrestling event outside of that stupid collision in Korea shit. Um, Because that was contrived. The government made people go to that. Did you see that on uh, the Dark Side of the Ring? Uh, We didn't talk about this season of Dark Side of the Ring. We do. Have you watched any of them? I have not yet. Some of them are good. Actually, they're all good. One guy pissed me off. So right now, here's where we stand. So the current setup, meaning the stage and everything, is for 84,048 fans. They've already distributed 79,346. It says there are only 4,700 tickets available. Are they going to be able to sell 4,700 tickets between now and the show? They've already beat SummerSlam 92 all the way. Just to let you know. SummerSlam 92 was 79,127. AEW is 79,346. And I can tell you this for a fact. I don't know if that SummerSlam number is correct. It may be. But I can tell you the AEW numbers are officially correct. Yeah, it'll probably do it because I've been wrong all along. So, yeah, they'll, yeah, they'll have a full house. Can't see why not. It's only 5,000 tickets. We're still three weeks away, aren't we? Or Yeah, roughly. Roughly. Would that just be amazing? They're going to announce a couple more matches. Oh, I God, mean, you have. Is, because this you, you, is not it. You're not going to do a five-match show. No. And you, and you got to figure CM Punk's going to be in there. You got to figure that Kenny Omega's going to be in there. You got to figure Will Ospreay's going to be factored into there. You got to figure Adam Hangman Page is going to be factored into there. You got to, I mean... You're gonna, have, gonna to have a trios match. I would not want that. No. No, I like individual matches. I think there'll be a trios match. Oh gosh, I just can't get behind that. I feel like they're so. We're just trying to fit people in to fit them in. Well, they are. Um, I, I just think it's going to be good. It's going to be a really, really good event. So, hopefully, I'm not wrong on this, but. Uh, did you get to see Dynamite? Three quarters of it. I fell asleep in the main event. Okay. So, first of all, that first segment that had the Jericho Appreciation Society, was that not amazing television? That was very entertaining. God, that was so good. And the part that I loved best was uh, Daddy Magic and Cool Hand and I'm telling you, who called it? This guy called it. They're going to be over as Rover. And don't be surprised if they go for AEW Gold. Mark my word. Hey, Magic's from Montreal. He can be from wherever he wants, as far as I'm concerned. He's just, they're they're good. Yeah. That's a random tidbit for tonight. That That's where they're from? I don't know where Cool Hunt's from. Oh, damn, Magic's from Montreal. Nice. Um... 
Anything else you can think of? Anything else newsworthy that uh, no, you'd I like thought, to talk about? We, we covered a lot of stuff tonight, Mike. We, we did. We're we did. two and a half hours in now, so I'd say I know people have had enough to listen to us for this week. I think they're probably saying, fuck this guy. We don't need any more of this bullshit. Pretty much. Yeah. Um. What else? What else? What else? I guess that's it. Uh, I'll keep you guys abreast on the... The sleep study let you know if I uh, have the apnea. I'll have to have a cool mask, though. If I get a mask, I want to design it like uh, Mankind, where I wear it to bed. That's not how it works, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> no, Mike. Yeah. I'm going to be the big red machine when I go to bed. Oh, God. That would be amazing. Wouldn't it? Come on. How does Meg live with you? Well, I mean, she's on. She's being paid salaried by my parents. and God I mean, love that woman. She She's is. got the patience of a saint. She does. She I mean, Linda does too. Don't get me wrong. I mean, listen, listen. Let, let's be honest. We're very fortunate people to be in the situations we're in. A hundred percent. I I know I got it good. Did you watch any uh any porn since the last episode? No. You didn't ever see Peter North? No. You got it. Okay. After we're done here, you got to go check out Pete North. I'm telling you right now. Jeezel Pete's. That is. I doubt that's gonna happen, but okay. I've got. I don't have words for that. It's. It's that. It's nuts. Um, the aliens. You still gonna be keeping up with that when uh, the big reveal happens? Well, when they come out and say there's no such thing as aliens. Oh, you're gonna be eating so much crow, dude. Oh my god. That's your t-shirt. This is gonna be great. This is gonna be great. This is going to be one of my 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 shining moments in life is when they finally get enough whistleblowers that come out and they say, this is really what's going on. I'm thinking about starting a, an alien podcast and, and going into all the, the whole nine yards about everything that's happened and the news stories and what's happened around the world. It's all up here. It's all up here. Man, there's a lot going on up there. Well, that's true. And sometimes nothing at all. Oh, who's going to be your co-host for that one? Well, I tell you what, you're just going to have to make yourself available for another night. <laughs> Not How's that going to go? You're going to ramble on about aliens, and I'm just going to sit here and go, bullshit, dumb, fooey. And when it happens, and I'm telling you, it's going to happen. When it happens, I'm just going to literally, I'm at it. the minute the United States government finally leaks out, yes, we do, we have recovered a craft. I am literally going to, I'm not even going to call you and you better pick up the fucking phone in the middle. I'm going to stop class and I'm going to be like everyone else, shut your mouth. I'm going ahead and making a personal phone call. Yeah. I'm in the middle of a meeting or something. I don't if care. I, You're, and I promise I will answer. You will have to answer it. All right. I will. All right. Let me see if we can get some good music here before we uh, get out of here. Let's see here. Is this good? Can you hear this? Nope. Actually, that it's called Intro to Space. Oh, God. All right, but tell everybody the details of everything that's happening at the big event coming up. All right, so we have Mr. B&B Memorial Show and Shine, August 26th from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. It's held at Centennial Park, Harrowsmith, Ontario. Uh, it's in memory of Bailey Green and Blake Young. Like I said earlier, there were two buddies. Unfortunately, they passed away in separate car accidents. Uh, they were big car guys. 
the lady who puts it off, her name is Trish Green. Nice. Uh, it's Bailey's mom. Uh, she's a very nice lady. I've spoke to her a couple times now. Uh, so all proceeds for the raffles and everything else is getting donated to the South and Central Frontenac Fire Departments. There's going to be awards. It's a car show, so they do all kinds of different awards. Uh, best muscle car, best paint job, best truck, so on and so forth. There's going to be raffle draws. There's going to be vendors there. There's going to be food trucks there. Uh, my buddy, Fido, he, he runs uh, Rapture Limited, Rapture Window Tents. He's one of the main sponsors. Nice. As well as Jim's Auto. I don't know of that place personally, just from speaking to Kado, he speaks very highly of them. Nice. Uh, so while we're doing, Linda and myself, CB79 Wooden Toy Maker, uh, we donated 58 cars. Uh, these are cars never made before. This is a one-shot deal. We're not making them again. Nice. Um, building a ramp. We're going to have it. It's 15 bucks a pop. You get your car. You launch it down the ramp. I'm going to rig out some kind of release mechanism so everybody gets the same thing. And for each division we have, the car that goes the furthest wins a prize. Could be a new drone, could be a trip to Canada's Wonderland with a gas ticket, the whole shooting match, uh, some kind of fancy headset that I don't completely understand, to be honest with you, or a day at the spa here in Kingston. Ooh, a day at the spa. Have you ever been to the spa? No, I have not. Linda wants me to go. Maybe I will one day. You should. It's very nice. Hot stone massage. So, I mean, it, it's a good cause. Money's getting given back to the community. Uh, we'll have our other toys there for sale as well. Uh, so, yeah, if anybody happens to be in the area and hears this, please come on out. Uh, if you're interested in getting a car, you can reach out to me. We'll do e-transfer or something like that. I'll let you know the number of your car. They're all going to be numbered individually. Linda's burning the number in the bottom. So once we launch them off, everybody, you know, You'll know what it is. Kado's going to be setting up cameras to record it all. He wants to put it on uh, Instagram and most likely wow. Facebook. So we, he's they're trying to do it right. They're trying to do to give back to the community, do some good, make best out of, well, let's be honest, a shitty situation. Yeah. And yeah, we're going to set up a table for the toys as well that are going to be going on the ramp. Uh, we're going You can decorate them however you want. We're going to have supplies there for them to decorate. Linda's going to help with that. So, yeah, it's going to be a good time. It's all going to a good cause. Just trying to give back. What is the, do you know what the general mission is to get in? Um, As far as I know, to get in is nothing. Okay. But there's, but there's vendors. Raffles, there's vendors. Nice. Uh, I think last time I checked, there's about 15 different raffles they're having. Oh, that's awesome. Like a generator, a barbecue, or a smoker was another one. Yeah, some of them are pretty big ticket items. It's, you know. So, yeah, they do pretty well. I think last year they donated, it was right around 10 grand. Is what their final donation was to the fire department. 10 grand goes a long way because these fire departments, they're volunteer fire departments. So these are not in some big city. These are like little tiny places. So they rely on donations and funding and stuff like that. So 10 grand is a lot for them. It is. Right, so it, it, it's for a good thing. Right, so, so that's why we wanted to get on board. 
Well, there's going to be vendors. There's going to be plenty of food there. It is a family-friendly event. Kids are more than welcome to be there. Huge, exciting things. Obviously, the Soap Docs uh, Derby type of thing with the ramp and everything. Um, a lot of good times are had at these events. And, you know, if the butt's involved in it, you know it's top-notch and classy. He only associates himself with the best. And speaking of associating with the best, if you have an interest in having something done wood related or have questions about woodworking, you can contact the butt. Butster, how can they get a hold of you? So on Twitter, it's got new 291 at G O T N E W F 2291. On Facebook, it's CB79 Wooden Toy Maker. Feel free to reach out to me. I'd love to talk to you if you need some tips. I'm no wood mastered by no stretch but i can help you as best i can if you want something made reach out to me i'd love to look into it if i can do it i'll get you sorted out perfect uh once again what is the address of the big event it is centennial park harold smith ontario perfect guys definitely check it out it is going to be one of the main attraction events of the summer it all goes to a great cause. It helps out uh, a situation that the Butster said before is terribly sad, but we can still put a positive spin on it and put some smiles on faces as well. It goes for a great cause. Um, obviously, there's going to be some auctions as well, and all this money is going to where it should be going, paying back and giving back to those who have given to us. Man, it's been good, sir. It's been very, very fun talking to you again on uh, on an unconventional night, but you have the day off tomorrow, so you can... Uh, mm -hmm. You can put your PJs on, have a big bowl of cereal, and sit in front of the TV and watch cartoons, or or what are you going to do now? Well, right now, I'm probably going to go to bed. It is half past 12. Uh, I'll be up tomorrow at 6 or 6.30 at the latest, and I'll make breakfast for Linda and I. Nice. You're and a good man. You're a good husband. Maybe I'll put on TV for a half hour. That's about as long as my attention span will last. <laughs> and then i got to run some errands. I gotta go to Lumberyard, lumber gotta yeah. go to Lee Valley, God only knows wherever else I'll end up, and then I'll come home, and oh, I gotta go to Home Depot as well, uh, build a ramp, or try to. I never built a pictures. ramp before, we'll see well, what happens. Yeah, send me some pictures as well, and um, I will. love to see how that goes. Guys, it has been so much fun, thank you so much for taking a portion of your day, your evening, whenever you're choosing to listen to this podcast to support us. Remember, the Front Material brand is a wrestling podcast, but it's also just us shooting the shit, having a good time. If you know somebody who enjoys podcasts, definitely let them know. You can find us just basically anywhere fine podcasts are made available. Specifically, there are multitudes of them. So if you want to go ahead and find us, you can go ahead and find us on... Podbean, Podchaser, Pod Addicts, Apple Podcasts, Radio, Radio Public, iHeartRadio, Radio.net, and iVox. Um, any questions, concerns, go ahead and let me know. You can hit me up. I'm at the Mike Freeland on Twitter or X or whatever the hell it's called now at the M-I-K-E-F-R-E-L-A-N-D. That's it. We're going to bed. It's been fun. We'll catch you guys on the next episode. Yeah.